Systems go. <laughs> okay. Hello, Willkommen, Bienvenue, Konnichiwa, Nihao, Jambo, Marhaba. It's time for the Armist Inquisition yet again, episode 234 on Sunday, the 5th of June, 2022. I'm Armist Phil. I'm Armist Matt. We've no Ben this week. Where's Ben? Who knows? He disappeared again, didn't he? He disappeared to where? The Yeah, Yeah, Yeahs. A Yeah Yeah Yeah's concert. He has gone to a Yeah Yeah Yeah's oh, concert. No, no, no. <laughs> I think that's a cover story. I think he's actually secretly infiltrating the uh, the Bilderberg meetings in Washington. Oh, right, okay. Yeah, we'll get a boots on the ground report next we'll week. See. We'll see. But never fear, because we're joined with a very special guest this week. This week we've got Reverend Jamie Franklin from a Reverend podcast, Faith and Current Affairs. Yeah. How are you doing, Jamie? I'm really well, thank you. Thank you, Phil and Matt, for having me on. Really excited to be here. It's an absolute pleasure. Um, I heard you on the Delling Pod uh, a few weeks ago, and uh, I reached out to you and subscribed to the podcast. I've been listening to it since. And uh, it wasn't until after we'd uh, emailed that I found your YouTube channel, and I thought, hang on, I recognise this chap. And... I recognised you from an unheard interview back in the depths oh, yeah. of the pandemic. Yeah, 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 yeah. Oh well, that's coincidence, isn't it? Yeah, uh, yeah. That was um, that was um, yeah. So that was that um, vaccine passport thing um, when they were talking about having vaccine passports in you know public places, churches, and stuff like that. Um, alongside my friend William Phillip, who's um, a minister in Glasgow. We uh, wrote a letter uh, opposing this policy uh, from the position, well, of, of churchmen that we would we, we were against it and we wouldn't implement it in our churches. But drawing, well, raising concerns about uh, the pernicious aspect of this for for society more widely as well. And we 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 did it as an open letter, and we got in the end. I think we had about two thousand church leaders and Christian leaders sign it. And, uh, yeah, it, it ends up all over the media, the BBC, uh, you know, all the major newspapers, and uh, did uh, the interview with, with Freddie as, as well on, on her. So it was a great success, actually. And um, I, I think it's the kind of thing, it was a lot of work to get it all going, but I think it's the kind of thing which shows you can actually, you can actually make a difference um, if, you, if, if, if you have a good idea and you put your mind to it. You, you 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 really can make a difference and um we had i don't know if this has anything to do with it but but we we know for example that we've had um high profile politicians listening to our show um as well you know i don't know if it's through that or for other reasons but um you know we do like to think that we have had an impact um while the while the rest of the church has been sort of pretty weak and going along with all the stuff um, you know, all the COVID measures and everything like that. Uh, there has been a small but vocal minority of churchmen who have opposed what's going on and seen it for what it is. And I think we have we have made a difference. 
I think that's one of the things that I found quite surprising during the the pandemic was was the reaction of the religious institutions and uh, the well the, the the way they sort of fell in line with with the government messaging and and the government diktats and um, it, it I found it disturbing to be honest um, and I think it's sort of a measure of, of how far we've come from um, as a society the way we regard religion uh, and the way it's sort of uh, put to one side and, and as soon as uh, you know I think a lot of people see it as an old-fashioned thing it's something old people do it's it's not uh, it's, it's lost its relevance you know in in, in the UK and um, I, that that was something that I found disturbing is the best word for me to yeah. use I think yeah yeah well I found it disturbing as well I think you know the thing that the sort of central principle which I go back to with this stuff is that it reveals something about what you really believe when things like this happen. You know, it's kind of um, the sort of technical term in theology would be that it's an apocalyptic moment, you know, because an apocalypse doesn't technically, it's not technically to do with the end of the world necessarily. It's to do with an unveiling. That's what the, um, that's what the Greek words refers to an unveiling, you know, showing what's really there. And um, in the thing with the pandemic, you just say, you're just looking at it thinking, well, um, yeah, as, as churchmen, of course, we want to be concerned with people's welfare and their safety, and we don't want churches to be unsafe places and so on and so forth. Uh, but that's not the sum total of what Christianity is. We believe that human beings have a transcendent end, and believe it or not, the church has a part to play in helping them to connect with that aspect of their humanity. And for the government to shut the church down to my mind, is a complete betrayal of that principle. For us to acquiesce to it is a, is a mm. betrayal of that principle. And so to have no dialogue about it at all, to have no discussion about whether this was the right thing for us to do or not, and just to give the government essentially a, a carte blanche to shut the church down whenever it feels like it on the basis of a pandemic, when, let's face it, even from the beginning, it was fairly clear what the situation was in terms of who was vulnerable, who wasn't, uh, how deadly it was, and so on and so forth, uh, was was a was a terrible mistake. It was a terrible mistake, and part of the reason it was such an awful mistake is because this was our opportunity to actually speak to people about you know life and death, uh, the meaning of life, God, heaven, hell, you know, important stuff that a lot of the time people in our culture are not interested in you know, because we're so materially saturated and we're so, you know, we have our felt needs met so so quickly and easily. We had an opportunity. The church had an opportunity and we absolutely blew it. <laughs> you know, it. We really blew it. Yeah. We did. It, it, we shut the church doors. Shut the church doors. Literally shut all the doors of the parish churches in, in England when a, people needed the doors open. Is there? So, a, sorry, oh. sorry to interrupt, Jamie. Is there a precedent yeah. for that happening before in history for the churches shutting on mass like that? Well, the last time the churches shut in England on mass was in I think I believe it was twelve seventeen, right? So, so it was it was a it James was, the first twelve seventeen. No, well, no sixteen. Or, yeah, it wasn't James the first. No, no, it's well it before was. that. But, but the um, the dispute was over the succession of I think it was Simon Langton to the Archbishop of Canterbury. So essentially, eight hundred years ago, it was nothing to do with the plague, and um, and the and the the Pope I think closed the churches uh, for something like 
oh, I can't remember how long it was. It was, it was. it was a while. It was like six months or something like that. But that's so 800 years ago. What, what year was that, Jamie? Well, I think it was 1216 or 1217. Right, so, so this is after the crusade. This is after the Knights Templar were... Uh... Yeah, this is, kind of crusade, this is crusade time, isn't this it? This is the era, yeah. Yeah, this is after the second. Is it after the second crusade? I think. Um, anyway, so the the point is, um, it hasn't been closed for eight hundred years. There were during outbreaks of plague in the later Middle Ages and uh, Reformation period. There were um, occasional closures on a limited basis in certain places of, of London, but there has never been a nationwide closure of churches on the basis of plague. At other times when there have been plagues, churches and church leaders have taken the the lead in terms of um, having um, processions, uh, calling for days of national repentance, uh, prayer and fasting, all of that kind of stuff. And and whilst whilst the churches were, were still open, um, so the, if you, one of the most sho- shocking things about this is if you look at the historical contrast with where we are today, it's a completely different attitude. And I would say it's, a, it's an attitude which actually, um, which actually shows you that the people in the past really believed that Christianity was real and that it mattered whether the churches were open or not. Whereas today, you could be forgiven for thinking that the church leaders don't think it's particularly important. You know, if, if 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 the if the churches are if the churches are open, if they if they're closed, do people come to church or not? You know, the Roman Catholics. I mean, I'm not Roman Catholic, right? So I'm I'm Church of England vicar, and I'm I'm only saying this because it's the most sort of um, extreme example. I'm not saying it to diss Roman Catholics, but Roman Catholics literally teach their people that you have to come to church every Sunday, or else you're you're imperiling your soul. Right. So you must go to church. It's an obligation every single Sunday and you must take mass and you must be in a state of grace. Otherwise, you're in mortal danger. And they allow their churches to be shut for how, how long was it? I mean, in total, it was at least three months. Yeah. Um, so what, what are you saying? And then when the church is open again, what are you saying to people? Oh, well, you know, there were extenuating circumstances. You didn't need to go to church in those three months. But now you do again. It's kind of an inconsistent message. Do you know what I mean? Yeah, I found it totally surreal. Um, the right at the start of the lockdown, there was it was around Easter time, mm-hmm. and I was at home watching um, the Easter Mass uh, being conducted in a church in Ireland where my missus's family is from, and it was just surreal watching this priest conduct the Mass on the most important day in the in, in yeah. the in the church's calendar to an empty church. I just found it really surreal. And hopefully never to be repeated. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah. Well, I hope so. I hope so. I mean, how ironic, you know, the 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 festival on which we celebrate Christ's defeat of death and, <laughs> and rising from the grave. I mean, <laughs> to, to ban people com- from coming to church, it's you know, it's, it's shocking. It's shocking. It's it's symbolically. We we spoke to um, we've had. Do you know Do you know Laura Dosworth? Have you? Have you I've read I've read the book. Yeah, State of Fear. Yeah. yeah. Well, we've had we've had her on our podcast a couple of times and and had some really interesting conversations about the kind of symbolic significance of the way church buildings were used during this period. And again, it's all it's all not not good. So you know, we we close we close the churches and and stop people from receiving the Eucharist. Uh, but we, but the churches were allowed to be open for 
um, for food banks. So, so material needs, um, that's fine. If people want to do that, that's fine. Uh, but we're not allowed to have the, the Blessed Sacrament. That's forbidden. Uh, we were allowed, as, as priests, we were allowed in this Church of England, we were allowed to clean our churches, but we were not allowed to have services in them during the, the first period of the lockdown. We were banned from having services. So we could go in to clean and maintain the building, which was seen as important, but we couldn't have services even by ourselves. We couldn't pray in our own churches even by ourselves. And then, and then of course, and this is this is the, the thing I've, I've seen Laura's written about and we spoke about, um, the, the churches were opened to be used as vaccination centres. Um, and and in, 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 on many occasions, you had organists playing background music whilst people were going in to be vaccinated. And so again, you know, you just you're just you're just looking at that. You're thinking, what is that saying symbolically to to the world? It's saying our services, our ceremonies, our rites, our practices, our sacraments are not important. They're not important. But what's important is food banks and vaccines. It's kind of saying that um, the new sacrament of, of the new yeah, yeah. scientism yeah. religion is the yeah. magic juice, yeah. isn't it? Yeah, yeah, yeah. and that's that's um, that's that's what <sighs> Laura had a good phrase. She she called it something like um, what was it? I can't remember. It, but, but it was a kind it was kind of like secular transubstantiation or something <sighs> like that. You're made you're made holy by you're not made holy by the sacrament anymore. You're made holy by the vaccine. So the vaccine takes on a kind of um, a sort of spiritual and and social dimension as well, because and as as you guys, I'm sure I'm sure you know, um, I'm sure I'm sure you know. I'm not I'm 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 probably preaching to the choir here, I imagine. But um, the the thing with the vaccine is, it's not just about having a vaccine. It's about it's about having the mark. It's about showing yourself to be to be ritually pure, and that that is. That is part of what a sacrament does. It makes you ritually pure, um, not not in a not in a pernicious totalitarian sense, but um, but there's definitely an analogy there with the vaccine, and it's not it's not insignificant that people were being vaccinated in churches whilst the holy sacrament of the Eucharist was not um, was not available to the people. I just find it astounding that you weren't allowed to go in yourself into your own church and pray by yourself. I find that unbelievable, really. I mean, did they ever give you a reason as to why you couldn't go in by yourself and do that? Yeah, so, um, yeah, numbers, number of reasons were given. So so just to, for clarity, so this was, only, this was only in the Church of England. This right. didn't happen in the Roman Catholic Church. And Justin Welby, who did this along with, at the time, it was um, Archbishop Sentimer, who was the, the Archbishop of York at the time, he has subsequently said that he thinks he went too far and overreacted. So, you know, just to be just to be fair to him, he has said that. Um, but the reasons that were given at the time were, um, they were along, along the same kind of lines that would have been given by the... Um, by the technocrats uh, who were running the country at the time, which is that um, that um, if you travel from your house to the church building unnecessarily, right. then you are, you know, 
endangering people because you might you might bump into someone or you might leave the phone. But but the thing, obviously, the thing that you think about that is, well, you're saying it's all right to do that to clean the building and to maintain it, to flush <laughs> flush the toilets and run run the taps. It's all right to do to, it's all right to do that, but it's not all right to do it to to go and pray. Mm. Um, and also, there was all this thing about setting a good example like we need to be leaders in the community so we need to set a good example so if everyone else is staying at home then we ought to stay at home as well and it's okay because we've got computers so we can broadcast over the internet um and so on and so forth but again you know people were saying you know my my friend um jonathan bezik who's um a priest in london who wrote a very good article for the spectator making this point is well you know people are um, people are going to work, you know, people are, people are delivering, um, mail, people are, um, working in supermarkets, uh, people are providing food for, for the population. They're not, they're not being called to set an example because they are in that sense, because they are providing an essential service for people. Deemed and, essential. That's what I was yeah. going to, that was my next point was, yeah, then yeah. obviously it was not an essential service yeah. then was it yeah we're not essential we're non-essential that that's that's the basic message we are not essential and that's that is that's it isn't it that's that's the nub of the thing because if you're not essential the chaps if i'm not essential if, if my role is not essential i don't know what i'm doing here i really i really don't if 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 the christian religion is just some kind of you know it's just some sort of um optional extra kind of free song a, a sort of decorative um a, a decorative uh option that you can kind of add on to your life if you feel like it on sundays mm-hmm. you know that's just you know that doesn't that doesn't speak to me you know that doesn't mean anything to me that's not my conception of what i'm doing and it's not the conception of for a lot of other clergy as well who were similarly devastated by by this even people who were broadly in favour of what was going on with the COVID stuff, as I, I mean, I clearly wasn't, but there were lots of people who were who were absolutely devastated by this. You know, you yeah. can't you can't even go into a church building. I mean, some some people's churches are literally attached to their houses. You know, it's like they weren't even allowed to walk through a door into their church building to pray in their own house. Mm. I mean, it's just absurd. Yeah. It's symptomatic of the materialist paradigm that we find ourselves in. You know, the state was concerned with material sustenance, food, essential services like you described, heating, um, telecommunications all, and all that. But, um, you know, Jamie, your job is to save souls at the end of the day. And our current paradigm does not recognize that. And this yeah. is this this is the sticking point that we need to, to get past, that we need to allow people to take their own decisions and and i it's only over the last few years a couple of years and particularly over the last six months that i've i'm turning this way and um i just it upsets me it really ups, it upsets me that the state can wield so much power and as you described the church back down and it, yeah. it didn't it should have it should have put a stake in the ground and said no we're, we're making a stand now we're not having this you'll yeah. have to you'll have to arrest us yeah 
Yeah, absolutely. I mean, I, I totally, I totally agree. And I'd have, I'd have loved to see that happen. And it would have been, I mean, it would have been, <laughs> it would have been interesting. Uh, <laughs> that's, that's what I, that's what I, what I really wanted to see. I wanted somebody to, to, to make a stand. Um, to your point about the situation in society, I agree. And I think that what we see in society is what you might kind of call a kind of um, religion of humanitarianism, where the, the basic the basic kind of theological aspects of it would be um, a denial of the reality of sin and limitation for human beings. That's a really, really important thing. But then the other aspect of it, which you can see here, is the, the absolute prioritization of material needs, of human material needs. And that's what we see manifested in the COVID thing. Uh, the only thing that was <laughs> to be of any significance at all was material need for human beings. So, in, and in this case, you know, our, our material need, you know, not to catch the virus and die, but, but any other kind of need whatsoever. And we're not even just talking about um, religious needs, you know, aesthetic and cultural practices as well, you know, going to the theatre or, or whatever it is. Going yes, to music on- all devalued. Home. Yeah, all devalued. Yeah, yeah, and 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 that's what, and it shows you what what happens when you have this kind of absolute prioritization of of human need because the actual stuff that makes life worth living is subjugated beneath uh, a, a cold, rational, or, or I would call that sort of hyper rational utilitarian calculus. And yeah. it squeezes the life out of out of uh, human out of hu- human beings and out of society and civilization. I mean, wasn't it all wasn't it awful what was going on? It just in terms of the crassness of it. Don't don't you think it was just tasteless? You know this. You know like rainbows everywhere, and you know I love the NHS. Clap the NHS on a Thursday night. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, all of that stuff, and 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 I would say. I mean, I don't know. Are you guys? Are you, are you football fans? Yeah, I watch football. You gave up, didn't you, 10 years ago? Lapsed. I'm yeah, a lapsed right. football fan. Yeah. 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 But it's interesting, isn't it? I think that football has been... I, I'm, I'm a huge... I'm a Spurs fan, so I'm from Essex. And, um, you know, I grew up going to watch Spurs, uh, Tottenham Hotspur. Uh, and I'm still a football fan. I love football. But I think I think during the, the COVID stuff, the kind of... The, the the political wokeness which was on the edges of football was radicalised and it was allowed to enter into the game and now we're seeing it absolutely proliferate in a way which is just nauseating and I think I think it happened during COVID I think I think uh, the the football and probably sport more generally I mean I don't really follow much more sport than football but but it was it was hijacked by the kind of totalitarian politicisation of everything in this kind of woke motif and and now it's now it now football is riddled with it football yeah it used to be the case not very long ago right um pep guardiola man city manager about five years ago i think it was he he was wearing in a in a stadium he was wearing a little um yellow i don't know what it was a little yellow badge or something but basically this was this 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 symbol that he was wearing was showing support for independence for the basque region of spain right that's all it was and he was fined by the FA for wearing that because political symbols were not allowed in football stadiums, in, in Premier League matches, or I think professional football in the UK, not allowed. And now look at us. We're having concerts for Ukraine before every match. We're having, you know, taking the knee for almost two years now. 
I mean, it's just becoming ridiculous. It's like, you know, we've got referees coming out left, right and centre and and, and being pasted all over the BBC Sport app and all this kind of stuff. And you're just thinking, is anyone actually going to talk about any football? You know, it's it's become a vehicle for for political ideology. Mm. You're not allowed any displays of political symbolism except for the ones that we sanction, we deem are acceptable, and this is the danger. Yeah, exactly. I suppose it's yeah that having that oversight from the FA or whoever's sort of pushing it, because <laughs> uh, there'll be certain things that they, they won't allow, I imagine, and certain yeah. things that they do allow, I imagine. Yeah, well, you wouldn't be allowed to pray Putin gesture, would you? <laughs> exactly. No, no. And a lot of this is being pushed through this mechanism of ESG, right, right. from the top, economic and uh, social right. governance. This is a term that we're going to be hearing more and more of in the coming years and it's going to be tied to the way companies can refinance the way they can take out loans you know you have to show that your company is is sustainable socially and economically and uh, yeah it's it's a slippery road i mean um, just to sort of diverge there was one subject i really wanted to get your take on and it's something that uh nags at me (laughs) <laughs> perennial perennially and it's the issue of transhumanism right yeah um for people who aren't familiar i mean it's it's sort of the the out augmentation of our physiology whether that be you know uh, starting with a smart watch but mm-hmm. that could go to sort of um uh, smart uh, eye, eye lenses we've looked at haven't we yeah, yeah. there's people there's people already aren't they with sort of like chips, chips under the the uh, back of their hands so they can pay for things and and so on and so forth, isn't there? That's yeah. the kind of idea. And uh, if Ben was here, he would probably say, it's just progress. It's progress. <laughs> it's, it's inevitable. He and wants I, all of the chips, doesn't he? Yeah. I agree, it probably is inevitable, but that doesn't mean it's the right thing to do. And um, yeah. I'd like to get your take on it. I mean, one of the, one of the interest, questions that interests me is when do you stop being a human? Right. Yeah. You know, like, um, I mean, I don't, I think we would all agree that prosthetics, like, a, you know, a veteran who's come back from the Middle East and lost an arm or a leg, if we can give them a prosthetic, mm-hmm. you know, that's, that seems like a good thing. But where, where, where do you think this line is where all of a sudden you're not a human anymore? You're something in between or different? Yeah. Yeah. Well, I don't know. I mean, I guess a lot of it depends on the kind of, on what's actually technologically possible, doesn't it? Because, I mean, you know, I mean, this this might sound a bit silly, silly, but it's one thing to say, you know, you could replace someone's arm, but I mean, is it is it actually possible to replace someone's brain or someone's head? Or I don't, I do we actually know the answer? I mean, I'm sure you know lunatics like Yuval Noah Harari would say <laughs> could do anything, but it, are these are these things that are these things actually possible? I'm not sure. I mean, I I, I saw um, uh, we do we do occasionally cover some sort of transhumanism stuff on our show, and um, one of the things we might talk about this week is this article that was in the Guardian about you know these sort of you know, oh. headsets um, where where they're talking about how you can you can have a virtual baby. Yeah, be, I've got it here. It, it <laughs> yeah, like that kind of thing. Um, well, you know what. What does this reveal? I was, I was listening. I was listening to someone talking about this, and I was thinking, you know, what does this actually reveal to us about about our humanity? Um, that that people seem to not 
find that to be an absolutely repulsive idea. Um, you know, we we are we're literally we're literally building the world that the Matrix imagines. Mm. You know, when whenever the Matrix, when was the Matrix made? Like thirty years ago. Um, obviously, that's there are precedents in intellectual thought before that as well. Um, you know, uh, Descartes, for example, speaks of an evil demon that may be deceiving us and 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 causing us to imagine a reality which isn't 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 what what is actually real and so on and so forth but but why why is it appealing to people and i mean this is kind of like a genuine question why is it appealing to people to live in a virtual world when it's when it's not real have we have we i don't know what you guys think but have we lost the uh, have we lost the have we lost the desire to actually live in reality and we we prefer we'd prefer to be like What's that? Is the character's name? Is it um, Cipher? You know, who eats? He eats the steak, and he says, "You know, the steak is not real, but it tastes it tastes delicious." And and the point of that story is that you're supposed to look at that and think that's perverse, right? You're supposed to say, you know, that's you know, no, that's wrong. You want to be like Neo or Trinity. You want to live in the real world, even if you suffer. But but we but for some reason people don't. I don't know. They don't get that. Or is is Mark is Mark Zuckerberg just a lunatic? Who doesn't? Is, is he just? Is he just disconnected from from the market in this sense? Will will human beings just say, you know, we're not having this, and we've got no interest in it, and you're just freaks who are, you know, interested in you're too interested in computers? I don't know. What do you guys think? There's definitely tinges of Brave New World when it comes to the metaverse, and um, this is where I think Huxley got it right more so than Orwell in, in this sort of idea of entertaining ourselves to death, as it were, and just existing for um, sort of what's this sort of instant gratification Um well, I think, you know, I, there was something that I was coming back to when we've been talking about the um, sort of like the lockdowns originally was this kind of idea of it's a juxtaposition, really, because I'm kind of thinking in the lockdowns, it, there was a, a philosopher, is it Michael Crawford? Michael B. Crawford. Michael B. Crawford, yeah. Said that, you know, one, one of the things sorry, that he was thinking about was um, that, you know, limiting people's choice was quite appealing for some people. So, you know, the government telling you what you can and can't do was yeah. really something that people um, enjoyed in the lockdown. <laughs> Um, but this is kind of opposed to, I suppose, being in this virtual world where you can have anything, potentially. Yeah. And maybe it kind of feeds into this kind of materialistic view where, um, you know, you can get anything that you want, essentially, in yeah. this unreal world. Perhaps yeah. it's that, I, mean, I don't I, know. I, I think what you're saying is, I think you're, I think you're absolutely right. It's about... You know, it's interesting here because I think it's about responsibility, isn't it? It's about taking responsibility. So, so it's actually very comforting for the state for some people. I mean, mm. it's not not for me because I'm a natural contrarian, but but <laughs> it's very comforting for the state to say, "Oh, you know what? We're going to make all your decisions for you, and all you have to do is just do exactly what we say, and everything will be fine. You won't die. You won't kill Granny. You know, blah blah blah. Everything everything will be fine." So that's actually quite comforting. You know, it's like it 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 regresses you to the status of a child with with your parent just telling you, you know, don't go over there, don't do this, don't touch that, blah blah blah. Um, in the metaverse, right there there are no consequences, right? Because presumably, 
if there are bad consequences to something that happens, you could just reset the program or you can cancel your subscription. To, so, so, I mean, how perverse is that, right? So presumably these kids you'd have, these virtual kids you'd have would be on subscription or something like that. And <laughs> charge, right? So if you, you get, if you get fed up with being a parent, you can just cancel your subscription, you know? And it's like, it's like this is so shallow, you know? It's so shallow. Do people... I mean, Phil, you've got you've got kids, don't you? Yeah. Right. I don't know, Matt. Do you? I mean, do you have kids, Matt? Yeah, I've got. We both got two boys, actually. Yeah. 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 So, so, I mean, don't you think that? Don't you think it's shallow that you'd want to have the option? You know, like when you have your kids, you know, oh well, you know, we'll have the kids, and you know, we'll 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 kind of you know we'll give it a try, but if it if it if it doesn't work out, we'll just have we'll just have some kind of um, just some contract with somebody where we whereby we can just get rid of them if it, if it doesn't work out. We'll just send them off somewhere. It's like. With no con, or even you know, in this case, it's like, well, if you have the virtual baby and your subscription runs out, what does that mean? They just disappear. So your kids, your kids just disappear. I mean, it's like um, th- that is that is what what's great about having kids is the sense of a relationship which which develops over time. You know, it's it's a beautiful thing. It's a it's a relationship of of trust and and mutual. Um, love and exchange and sacrifice on the on the part of the parent, um, uh, uh, you know, for the for the first you know substantial period of time, and the taking of responsibility as a parent changes you absolutely, you know? especially course, men, young yeah. men, yeah, 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 it does, it does, and in 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 um, in my way of viewing things, I would say I think God has made it this way. I mean, being a parent takes ages. You know, we're about to have our we're about to have our fourth kid, um, and and it's a long it's a long haul. Everything is everything is long. Everything takes ages. Pregnancy takes ages. You know, the baby stage takes ages. The toddler stage takes ages. After that, you know, you've got all other challenges, and then they're only you know then it's only you're only ten years in, and you've you know there's a load of other kids as well, and your ten year old still has another eight years and then they're adults and they probably cause you all sorts of problems then and it never ends right but this is the point it's 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 set up this way so that so that god i believe can wean us off our egotism and our selfishness and our desire to just please ourselves and only think about ourselves and never think about anyone else is that when you when you have kids you can't be like that you know i slept for four hours last night i'm not complaining I'm just ranting a bit. You know? <laughs> I slept for four hours last night because I woke up in the middle of the night because I'm now used to waking up all the time and I can't sleep through. And then after about an hour and a half, just as I was going back to sleep, my one and a half year old woke up. My wife's almost nine, nine months pregnant. So I had to go in and I don't want her to come into bed with me. So I'm sitting by the cot waiting for her to go to sleep for two hours. By that point, it's five o'clock and the sun is up. You know, yeah. so I was awake half the night. And, you know, it... <laughs> You've got to you've got to find a way of dealing with it. You've got to find a way of coping with it, where you don't just become bitter and angry, and 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 twisted. So mm. so you know so it changes. It changes. You've got to develop patience, you know, and you've got to you've got to realize that you've got to sacrifice for something else. And this is one of the reasons. You know, that's why one of the reasons I've got hope that things like you know these absurd ideas with the metaverse and so on, you know, that these will fail. Is because you look at people who are saying this in the culture, right? There aren't many of them, but there are some. Like people like Jordan Peterson, they're saying, look, you need to take responsibility, especially young men. You know, you've got to take responsibility. Your life is a mess. You know, your house is a mess. Your your finances are a mess. You've got to sort yourself out. And people respond really, really well 
You know, this guy is enormous. Yeah. You know, he's, he's a star. He's like a rock star just for telling people to clean their rooms. <laughs> yeah. Mm-hmm. So it's, it's good, I think. Mm-hmm. I think there's a lot of um, pandering, isn't there, to people's needs rather than sort of telling people, and I suppose kind of saying it's not your fault quite a lot uh, of yeah. the time. V- victimhood. Um, yeah. When, you know, I suppose, you know, if someone is, is a, you know, a genuine victim of a crime or whatever, you know, that's one thing, isn't it? But are you a victim of sort of um, being tempted to buy, like you see, if you're talking about finances, you know, get a, a car on lease hire, get a house that's too expensive for you, you know, yeah. spend loads of money on credit cards because it's there. But at the end of the day, that was a choice, wasn't it? You might have made it for sort of various reasons, but... There is a person that can sort that out, essentially, at the end of the day, isn't there? Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah, you've, you've got to sort it out. Yeah, yeah. exactly. And, and this is the thing. It's actually, it's actually really interesting because I think this thing about, um, you know, being a victim, it's actually a sort of perverse, um, it's a perverse kind of twisting of, of a Christian idea, you know, because in, in, in the ancient world, you know, nobody thought victims were, were good. You know, in the Roman world, you'd get, you know, you'd get crucified and that would be a terrible thing because you'd be... You know, you'd be you'd be crucified in this shameful way with the dregs of society, and it would be a disgusting and shameful end. And no one would think, "Oh, that's a shame. That person was crucified. He probably shouldn't have been." They would look at them and they would think they're scum. They're being crucified, and that's good. Um, the, the, in in the Christian religion, you have you have God essentially being taking the place of a slave and being crucified, and the whole idea of becoming a victim, becoming a righteous victim. <laughs> emerges for the first time in in intellectual and cultural history and really i think what we see now is we see a kind of you know sort of perverse crass twisting of the idea of being a victim whereby just being a victim in itself for whatever reason is deemed to give you some kind of superiority and of course it's kind of mixed up with identity politics and everything like that um, but the, the the problem with this is exactly as we've been um, describing is that it it makes people um, well what would you say well it means people don't take responsibility and it it means that they blame everything except for themselves for their for their problems and everything is everything is somebody else's fault everything is because you know I'm being discriminated against everything is because the world is out to get me and things aren't fair and there isn't social justice and blah, blah, blah. And it basically means that we've got, um, you know, a, a whole a whole culture, a kind of youth culture emerging, uh, which hasn't progressed out of adolescence, essentially. Yeah, and it doesn't do, it doesn't help. There is no benefit in it, you know. As mm. harsh as it may be, you could have had the worst upbringing imaginable, but... Um, sort of wearing this badge of being a victim and complaining about it on social media is doing nothing for you. You know, it's like there's a certain point where you have to say, this is my lot, I've got a choice. I either get on with it or I keep bleating. And, and you know, it's, it's just, it's just there's no benefit in it. But yeah. it's, it's hard, it's hard to say. Yeah, what they want is they want people to give them stuff, isn't it? Well, you know, I need more stuff. You know, I need more. I need more privilege because I don't have enough privilege. Mm-hmm. And, and essentially, all 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 society is is um, competing sets of privilege. And I, I don't have enough, so give me more. Rather than, as you say, you know, take responsibility, do some good stuff, and you know, and work hard, and 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 see where it gets you. 
but we, 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 there are people like that. There are figures like that. I mean, I'm not a particular massive fan of him, but I was, um, <laughs> I was talking to my wife the other day about Joe Wicks, um, you know, who is a, he's kind of insufferable, but, but he, he's, he's come from a, you know, he's come from a really bad background and he's, he's, you know, he's a multimillionaire, you know, mm-hmm. he's got his own, he's got his own um, range of cookbooks, you know, he's doing right. You know, he's, he's doing okay. He's taking responsibility. Yeah. Um, yeah. Yeah. And I think he kind of talks about, you know, deliberately making that choice essentially when he was younger, because uh, there has been something recently on the BBC. I've not watched it, but he talked about, so his dad had a, a heroin addiction, I think, whilst he was growing up yeah. and his mum had like um, severe OCD and it had an impact on obviously his household and all the rest of it. But he made a decision at that point to say, my family is not going to be like this, basically. Yeah. And he took yeah. a, a different path. Mm. Um, yeah. 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 So it's quite interesting, isn't it? So I suppose that you, you can make, well, it's not interesting. I think it's just a fact that if you make those different choices, it has a yeah. different impact on your life, doesn't it? Yeah. Yeah, of course, of course it does. And this, this is especially true. Um, this is so important for, for young men as well, you know, because there are, there are, there are plenty of, um, you know, mature attractive marriable young women who are are out there who are just looking for for responsible men who will you know who will marry them have kids with them be a good father provide an income for them and you know unfortunately those kind of people are few and far between nowadays and we've we've got a generation of of boys who um, don't want to take responsibility for anything so you know it's the it it is possible to take responsibility, to work hard, to do well. And life is not just about what other people give you or what, what you're born into. You know, we've all had disadvantages. You know, this is the thing. It's like, you know, I, um, I've had disadvantages in my life. I've had advantages as well. But you wouldn't know that to look at me. According to the kind of identity politics people, they just look at me and they say, well, he's a white heterosexual male. Uh, you know, he's middle class, you know, I, I went to public school. So basically I've got all the boxes, you know, privilege ticked, you know, but I, I came from a broken home. My parents were divorced, you know, and that's a massive disadvantage. It's a massive disadvantage in life to, to only be raised by one parent. I mean, if you look at the, s- the social statistics, mm-hmm. um, into, you, you do a comparison between kids who, who come from broken homes and kids who have two parents. There's no comparison in terms of, you know, predicted salary, in terms of your likelihood to be, um, to be arrested, to be charged with serious crimes, to do time in prison, you know, all of that stuff. There's no, there's no comparison. In terms of, in terms of um, predictability, being, having two parents is pretty much... The, the greatest advantage that you can have. I mean, there may be other ones as well in terms of wealth and things like that. But having two parents, as opposed to having one parent or no parents, yeah. you know, that's that's absolutely massive. But that doesn't come into it. It's just about mm. you know whether you're white and whether you're black, whether you're whether you're gay or straight, whether you're you're a man or a woman. Basically, that's it. And yeah. it's far too simplistic. I mean, speaking in general terms, I mean, uh, not to disparage, I know there are loads of single mums who do an incredible job, and yeah, it's, it's not we're not um, denigrating that. And there are sometimes, I can imagine there are some people, uh, some dads, who would be better out of the house. Yeah. You know, so we're talking in general terms. We all, we're all parents. We know it. It's bloody, yeah. blooming hard work. Mm-hmm. You know, it's a hard, it's hard work raising kids and 
crikey, I've been home alone with my kids all week because my missus has been on her jollies. And it's yeah. exhausting when, you're, when you've only got one pair of hands and you have to do all the fetching and carrying, the cooking, the cleaning, all the appointments that children have. They have very active social calendars, birthday parties, <laughs> etc. You know, it's a, it's a logistical nightmare at times, but... Yeah. yeah. So yeah. Hey, yeah. Well, can I ask you a question? Mm. I mean, I, I, I was really interested in what you said earlier about you sort of having a change in the last six months um, in terms of your sort of outlook and sort of being drawn perhaps to more sort of spiritual things. Could you say a little bit more about that? Yeah, I noticed um, over the last couple, uh, maybe three months, I've been to church twice for two sacraments: one christening, one uh, first Holy Communion. And both times I had this sort of little voice in my head saying, I think you sh- maybe you should come here more often. Right. And it wasn't the vicar. <laughs> no, it wasn't the vicar. It was my oh, own. It was my inter- either my own internal monologue or my subconscious. Yeah. I don't know. And uh, I've always been interested, well, not always. I, uh, I was raised Catholic and went to a Catholic school, but I... Uh, probably abandoned my faith young, 10, say 10 years old. Yeah. And then as I got into sort of maybe my late teens, early 20s, I started um, looking into subjects like esotericism and uh, astral theology and stuff like that. And these subjects, and we've spoken to a lot of people who, you know, write books and whatnot in this field, and um, they'll tell you it's all the Bible's all uh, myth. It's allegory. There's no his- historicity there. Or the same with, um, say, the, the story of Jesus. People will. Um, there's a famous guy, uh, Jordan Maxwell, who's one of the more famous. Um, did you ever see the movie Zeitgeist? No, I've not seen that. Right, so Zeitgeist came out shortly after September the 11th, and it's a conspiracy movie that landed on YouTube, uh, written and directed by Peter Joseph. He was on the Joe Rogan experience back in the day. It was a huge internet sensation around 2002, 2003. And it's supposed to be about conspiracies on September the 11th, but the first half of the film is basically deconstructing Christianity. Right. And a lot of that work was based on this guy, Jordan Maxwell, who I've since seen his work debunked. Uh, he mm-hmm. passed away uh, a few months ago. But it's the same story. It's, 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 it's mithraism. Um, the story, you know, they'll draw uh, parallels to the story of Osiris, uh, Horus, and Jesus. Yeah. And, and because there are similarities, oh, well... We've had it with Ryan, you know, Jesus is a mushroom. You know, so like I, I read John Marco Allegro's work, Sacred Mushroom and the Cross and such. Any... Oh, yeah, I've heard of that, yeah, yeah, yeah. And, yeah. I mean, it's an old book. He was a scholar who worked on the Dead Sea Scrolls and he makes compelling arguments. But, as I am not a linguist or an expert in ancient languages, I can't evaluate it. Mm-hmm. Um, but, yeah, so over the last couple of years, and particularly over the last few months, I've just had, I don't know, I can't, I don't know how to describe it, but I've just sort of felt a pull towards um, Christianity as I've read more, read more about ancient history and theology, and I, I can't describe it, where it's coming from or, or why it's happening now. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. So is it is it to do with stuff that's going on in culture and society or is it more of a sort of internal thing or is it a mixture of both or what do you think 
It could be both. It could be that the events of the last two and a half years have focused my mind on what's important. Mm, yeah, yeah. Um, I... Oh, it, it was inhumane how we treated people. Yeah. Um, I'm lucky I didn't lose anyone over the pandemic, but... If someone I loved was in a hospital taking their last through few breaths and someone was trying to stand outside and stop me from entering, um, that would have torn me to pieces, you know. I can't believe that we acted in that way yeah. to people. Yeah. And uh, it makes you, it made, makes you realise what's important in life. Mm. And um, this materialism, like, I... I completely reject it i don't care about money or things or holidays i like information i like learning about stuff and trying to learn about myself and and sort of my kids and making sure my kids are all right and they're developing and that's what's important yeah. and it was all that stuff that was stripped away yeah. you know for the for the purposes of you know flattening the curve three yeah. weeks three weeks to flatten the curve you know and I guess maybe that's part of the reason. Maybe that just focused me spiritually in that way. I don't know. Yeah. Well, I mean, the reason I asked the question is because um, since we've been doing our podcast, which we started um, in November um, 2020, so maybe it was September or October, I can't quite remember. But anyway, since we started doing it, um, we've had lots and lots of people get in touch saying, that they're not religious or that they used to be Christian or, you know, they used to be atheists, but they are rethinking things as a result of what's been going on. Um, and it's kind of interesting because, <laughs> you know, we were talking about the catastrophic failure really of the church <laughs> um, to, to do anything decent um, on a, on a, on a, at least on a national level, there were, you know, exceptions obviously. Um, but nevertheless, there are still lots of people who are, for the first time interested in spiritual things in Christianity in particular, you know, that I, that I know, um, lots of people, there's a huge contingent of people, in fact, and you can see it, you know, with, 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 um, you know, podcasts that are well followed, you know, like, um, like Denning Polis, for example, there's a huge amount of talk about Christianity and stuff on there. Um, now I think that the thing I hear really regularly is that, um, people saying things like I felt, tangible sense of evil and darkness you know and and it was it was frightening and it was or it was depressing or it was it was it was uncomfortable for me and i and i i thought you know i need to go to church or something like that it was it, it's 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 just a, a, a thought process that i've heard described to me over and over again i mean probably hundreds of times by this point um if if not more uh, you know in emails and people telling me this this face to face um and yeah it, it's 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 a real thing it's a real thing evil is real um sin is real there is a real devil there are real demons um at, at times i believe that the demonic um influence over society is is greater or at least more manifest and i think that 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 is what happens and is potentially still happening i'm sure i'm sure there's a huge amount of demonic influence in terms of these organizations like the wef and the who 
that's what was going on at the time. So people sense that, and they they know there's a, they know there's a darkness, and they want to see a spiritual light. It's um, I don't know. The thing I was thinking about is that film um, from Dust Till Dawn. Have you seen that film? Yeah. Um, you know where where George Clooney and Quentin Tarantino these they're bank robbers or something, aren't they? And they um, they turn up at this this bar. Um, you know they've done some. You know they've done some heist or something. They turn up in this bar, and then at, at midnight, it turns out everyone in this bar is a vampire. <laughs> it's an absolutely crazy film, mm-hmm. but um, they're, they're, they've got this. Um, they've got this churchman who's lost their faith with them, who's played by Harvey Keitel, who they've taken as a, a hostage, if I recall rightly. Anyway, so at one point, George Clooney, who's this you know nasty criminal guy, um, says to says to him, you know these you know these mother effers are straight out of the pits of hell. And if there's a hell, there's going to be a heaven. And I think that that is, that's what people are sensing. I agree. Uh, yeah. It's sort of one of the f- sort of areas I wanted to ask you was about maybe this sort of spiritual war that seems to be happening and what your take on it was. I mean, I was just going to ask that this might mm. just fit in now as well, which was, uh, it's probably a little bit linked to what we were talking about in terms of the transhumanism, but this idea of, um, if we get rid of death, what does that mean for sort of like the soul and and heaven and hell? When, you know, we were reading, just talking about this article in The Guardian earlier, but in yeah. that they talk about the possibility of being able to download your consciousness or your yeah. soul, effectively, is what they're kind of saying. So, I mean, yeah. what's your kind of take on that, basically? Yeah, I think, I think that that's just, um, I think that's just a sort of philosophical category error. Um, it's, a li- it's a little bit like in in that film, um, The Prestige. I don't know if you've seen that pr- that yeah. film where 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 Hugh Jackman at the end. I think I'm right in saying that he can basically clone himself, yeah. and this is this is presented as him him continuing him him having a continuing identity. I mean, it's a little bit different. It's not exactly the same, but it's the same kind of principle. Um, the idea being that you are essentially. I mean, it's, 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 I mean, I, I may be misrepresenting it, but, but I think this is right. So, so your, your memories are essentially what you are, or, or at least your, what, what would it be like your, if you, if you think about it, like the human being is on the analogy of a, of a computer with, um, with software and hardware. I don't know, something like that. Yeah. So you can, you can take, you can take the software and put it onto another computer and then that's you know that that's essentially what the what the computer is, and that's that's the analogy I think that's, that they're using there. But if you think about it, um, as a, a human being, well, I would want to say at least that you're you're far more than the information that's in your in your brain or in your memories or even your. I don't even know what it would mean to take your faculties and download them onto a computer. And what would that even mean? Would it would it mean your 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 intelligence, your IQ, your ability to what do do the word all? I don't know. You know what does it what, does it, what would it even mean? It's just it a would, simulation. Yeah, mm. it wouldn't be you though, would it? No, there is there is something which is you, which is not reducible to the information in your brain. I mean, it's just it's just obvious. If somebody has a head injury, and they they lose their memory. Or if somebody has Parkinson's disease or motor neurons disease or something like that, and they gradually fade away, you don't say, "Well, that person doesn't exist anymore." You say that that person's, you know, cognitive abilities are impaired or something like that. You want to say that's something that's actually you as a, as a human being. And of course, I would say it's your soul. You know, it's given to you by God. You know, it's it's the um, it's the it's the combination of of your soul and your body which makes you who you are. 
you're not and you're not reducible in that way. And it just seems to me that um, these these ideas are um, sort of farcical, really. As a result, they're kind of silly. You can't, you kind of think, well, can't you see that that's not a human being? <laughs> you know, you download. Well, so what do you 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 think you're going to be trapped? Are you going to be like trapped in a computer? I don't, I don't. What is the idea? I don't even understand it. It's just incoherent to me. Yeah, I totally agree. Yeah, I mean, good, I, good luck. I would say go. Yeah. Not yourself out. Give it a go. I'm not signing up. I think it, yeah, again, it. It, it it might link back to this kind of idea you mentioned before about consequences. You know, There's, then there is no consequences, or the, you know, the ultimate consequence of going to hell or whatever how you want to frame it. Oh yeah, that's yeah, no longer sure. there, is it? Yeah. Um, well, it's well, it's an eternity without. It's an, it's an eternity without God, isn't it? So <laughs> this is this is like. Um, this all of this stuff is is a parody of Christianity. It's a parody of mm. eternal life. It's like we don't want the real heaven, mm. but we'll create a heaven on a computer. I mean, who wants that? I mean, you know, part- I've got more respect for for atheists who just say, "Well, I believe that I'll just die, and then and then that's it." Well, I think it's a more respectable position. Reading that article in the Guardian, that was the impression that I take I took away is that this is the atheist the atheist coping mechanism with dealing with their own mortality because they've rejected the possibility of a life after mm. the, the life that we're in. And that is cold and frightening. Mm. Um, you know, people can drift towards nihilism and all these other awful things. So this is a comfort blanket. Maybe this is why, isn't this part of why, why Ray Kurzweil went on this? Didn't he lose his father? And he was he was trying to stop it happening again for for himself. I think that was part of his. Right. He's at Bilderberg, by the way. This uh, yeah. right now, yeah, goes well. I think he's there. Right. Yeah, um, I mean, I got a couple of quotes from the article. Um, I thought this was illuminating. This quote. Um, this is from the Friday's Guardian. If anyone wants to check it out, the link will be in the show notes. But anyway, it says um, transhumanism is a movement that aims to address or end what Bohan, the author of the book, calls the tragedies of reality, aging, sickness and involuntary death. It is, she writes, a, a philosophy and a project that aims to make us more than human. Yeah. I mean, I would aging, sickness, th- this is suffering. Yep. Mm. And we live, we have our minds working in a kind of duality. You know, we can't understand, make sense of pleasure without suffering. Mm. It's, uh, it's, it's light and dark, yin and yang, good and bad. We can't, you know, they, 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 they want to put us into this world where of like eternal bliss. It's like that red dwarf, better than life simulation, you know. And it becomes, it becomes, meaningless and valueless mm-hmm. you can't judge the value of something being good without having the comparative of something bad mm-hmm. and this is the road they're taking us down but yeah further down the down the article it said that i found this hilarious experiments are already underway in the realm of artificial wounds and bohan is sure when viable women will be clamoring to be freed from the shackles of pregnancy, childbirth, and breastfeeding. Yeah, yeah. Three of the most important, meaningful, special, you know, uh, mm. things that a person can do, a female, 
Yeah. You have to be a female, but you know these are the most important. Uh, you know these should be these these things are should be rev- reverenced. You know, bringing a, ch- a a life into the world is the most special thing a person can do. But it's shackles. It's it's, yeah. it's related to shackles. It's I just found it gobsmacking. Mm. Well, well, it's it's because we have a perverse notion of freedom, um, whereby freedom is you know a sort of freedom from restraint. Um, whereas in a, in a sort of classical definition of freedom, freedom is the freedom to become what you are created to be, and um, that this is this is what this is what this is what it is to be truly free. It's the difference between a child um, getting up at a piano and just bashing the keys randomly, and uh, a musician who has cultivated through practice the ability to play Mozart or Chopin or whatever it is. That's what freedom is. And that's an analogy with, with humanity. You see that with, with um, not, not that being a mother is, is the only thing that women can be, or even that, that women must be mothers or even that they can be, can all be mothers. But when you see women who, who are mothers, who are good mothers, you see a fulfillment of an aspect of a woman's humanity in that. And you're, you're quite right. I mean, I, I find all this, I mean, it's interesting to talk about it, don't get me wrong, but I find it so, I find it so distasteful listening to the crass, um, intellectually vapid and banal <laughs> thoughts of these idiots. I mean, which is, which is really what they are. They, they posture as, as intelligent people, but they are, they are not, they are not intelligent. They are not original thinkers I don't know how they. I don't know how they've got the platform. I don't know how Yuval Noah Harari's got the platform that he has. Um, but he's not an intelligent person. He's not. You know, people will not be reading his books in a hundred years' time. I, I guarantee you, they will not because because these people don't have an original thought in their heads. Um, the the thing about um, you know wanting to defeat aging, sickness, blah blah blah. I mean, again, I mean, all I can say is that it is a parody of the Christian gospel. Mm. which is that Christ Christ defeats the twin enemies of sin and death those are the two those are the two major problems we have in the world sin and death our inability to be what we should be which is sin regarding god and other people and the fact that we're all going to die you know we we will age and we will die um and 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 that and that's the problem we have it's a serious problem and what these people are suggesting is that we can we can eradicate these problems through technology and i'm sorry you can't it's just nonsense you should read read frankenstein for a start and you'll you know you'll get some ideas as to why it was written by a 17 year old by the way frankenstein you know mary shelley knew this when she was 17 and these these people have got these people have got absolutely no idea the modern prometheus yeah 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 Um, exactly yeah yeah, um, yeah. Jamie, we've done over an hour already. Yes. Listen, guys, I've really enjoyed this. This has been great. Thanks for just letting me just—I don't know—I've got no ideas listening to this. So you know, um, I, I hope your audience have enjoyed it. But I, I, I felt very free to just let loose. It's, it's quite great. nice being on another podcast because I just—I uh, just sort of feel like I can just just say whatever I like, and you guys have got to deal with the consequences. <laughs> so thank you. Yeah, I'm sorry we didn't talk about your podcast at all. Oh, so that's okay. I mean, I could I could do a brief plug now. Yes, go ahead. Yeah, so Irreverent Faith and Current Affairs, we've been um, described as like Top Gear with Bickers. Um, <laughs> and, 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 
and I hope we're slightly more highbrow uh, than that, maybe a little bit. Um, yeah, anyway, yeah, we started, we started the podcast during the pandemic, or, you know, the, the ostensible pandemic. Um, I try not to call it a pandemic because I don't actually really believe it was one. But, um, but anyway, we started the podcast then. And uh, it's me and, and two of my my vicar friends who they live in different places to me, so we do it on Zoom. Uh, Tom and Daniel, and uh, yeah, it's it's lots of fun. We we just talk about stuff from I guess our USP is that we're all Anglican vicars. We're vicars in the Church of England, but we're we're Orthodox. And we are we we obviously have a sort of conservative um, approach to things, um, and we and we give it we give it straight. So there's no there's no uh, there's no kind of church talk if you like. We're just we're just straight about what we think. And um, yeah, it's it's on. Um, we're on Rumble on Odyssey, so you can just you know just type us in Reverend Faith and Current Affairs, and um, we are on all all major major audio platforms. We are one of the they're not supposed, but we are one of the most listened to Christian podcasts in the UK now. We're actually number one last week for a few days, which was which was quite exciting. Uh, so we we found an audience and, and people enjoy listening. Um, and so yeah, so if anyone wants to to look us up, you know, please do so. I have I've subscribed and it comes highly recommended from yours truly. If your podcast rotation is feeling a little stale, mm-hmm. want to just switch it up, try something new. I'd highly recommend it. It's a great show. Um, Right, let's sign off. Let's mm-hmm. sign off for for uh, and then have a short interval. Yeah. Jamie, just stay on the line for us for one minute while we uh, play ourselves out. And uh, thanks very much for coming. Links in the show notes. Yeah, check it out. Check it out. Right. Catch- Thank you so much, guys. Thank you. Thank you. Catch you on the flip side. <laughs> Right then, we're back. The dwarf, the cripple, and the mother of madness. That was our chat with the Reverend Jamie Franklin from mm. Irreverend Faith and Current Affairs. I really enjoyed that one. It was good. It'd be nice to talk to him again and continue the discussion. There was um, an opportunity towards the end, to, which I refrained from, for making a joke around about sort of Christ on a bike or Christ in a car, but I didn't. If you didn't twig. Uh, eavesdroppers we were on our bestest bestest behavior with yeah. jamie i consciously tried not to swear. swear or curse or blaspheme yeah we didn't say anything did we did we not did we get away with it i don't think we swore at all no thank fuck for that <laughs> <laughs> exactly but um deadly serious though if you if you uh, have got room for something new in your podcast schedule give a reverend a, ch- a try have uh, faith have faith um, if you enjoy, like I, I enjoy, it. I'm, I'm interested in theology and current affairs. Um, they do some um, sort of scriptural analysis. Oh, occasionally they'll they'll take readings and sort of give an interpretation of mm-hmm. the readings from like letters, Timothy, letters of Timothy or Paul or whatever. You, and I love you, that kind of stuff. I'm to interested. Ephesians. Yeah, Colossians or Corinthians. Those wild guys at Corinth. Yeah. Whoa. They were they were off the chain, <laughs> the early church. Corinth, cranky. <laughs> Isn't that where Lando's from? Lando Calrissian. Yeah, Corinth. 
No, he's from Bespin. Is he? Yeah. Who's from Corinth then? You're thinking of what's the main uh, city uh, world in the Star Wars universe? Ah, Coruscant. 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 That's it. Maybe. That's where the Jedi Temple was. And, yeah. Uh, one All gone now. All the younglings are dead. <laughs> what yeah. do you mean? Oh, the Jedi Temple. Yeah. Yeah. Oh well. Right. So yeah, check out Irreverend. Is, yeah. is the point? Yeah. Yeah. Would you agree? I would agree. Yeah. Seems like a nice man. Housekeeping. Jolly good. Housekeeping. This is a value for value podcast. If you find this podcast valuable, please consider returning some value. There's a a myriad of ways of doing this. And as ever, my favorite way of returning value to us is word of mouth. Send people a link or, or tell them physically, face-to-face, through your mouth into the oral canal. Say, so check out this show. You might like it if you, uh, you know, you're interested in the subjects that we discuss here. I like that. What's your uh, favourite way of becoming a producer, Amish Annabelle? <laughs> I can't get it out. Um, really? I, I enjoy where people join the Discord. Good point, yeah. The Discord server is where you can really sort of drop your eavesdropping status and become a producer. Mm. Because we call you producers because you're helping produce the content for the second half of the show, or indeed the first half of the show. If you hear someone on another show you think would be a good guest for us, we have a thread there for guest suggestions, and we implement these. We try our best, don't we? And we have a very good hit rate with... uh, Yeah, I would say 70%. Yeah. Hit right. What else can you do on the Discord? Um, <laughs> you can request a focus chi. Yeah, some chi focusing in your direction. So maybe you're suffering, uh, suffering, <laughs> snuffling, suffering from a health condition. Who you shuffling, boy? A <laughs> uh, health condition in the form of depleted chi. Mm. Maybe you've got a big job interview coming up that you're nervous for. A big test. We're approaching GCSE season, aren't we? Mm-hmm. Um, you're in a flunk. You're just not feeling right. So you need in to, a flunk? A flunk. <laughs> <laughs> There's a thread there in the Discord, and you can send submit your requests, um, and we will focus our chi as a community into your direction for your given aim, and it's 100% effective. 100%. Yep. So uh, you can do that in the Discord. Mm. I have not had the opportunity to read out any reviews. Now, that is something that Amish Phil has said that Amish Annabelle should be doing. And we had not had no reviews for me to read out. No, no iTunes reviews uh, recently. If you uh, give us a a nice review on iTunes, we like reading them out. If you review us on some other platform, because there are a million podcast platforms out there forward it to us at the arms inquisition at gmail.com and we will happily read them out that would be my pleasure yeah what else can you do on the discord you can give us a uh, submit show artwork artwork we have uh, different show artwork for every episode and uh, there's a thread there where you can uh, send you your uh, have we any artwork to peruse this evening just the one and it's one of mine and i think it's my best Yet. 
That is high praise. Yeah, so if you join the Discord server, on the Monday, you'll get a sneak preview of who the following week's guest is going to be. So that gives you, you know, six days to come up with some artwork for the episode. No submission this week, but I just, you know, knock this up in <laughs> 10 minutes. What do you think? My lord. You like it? That is a beautiful depiction of Reverend Jamie Franklin. Yeah, I've, I've sort of cartoonified him there. Yeah. And then uh, I've got a reverend's um, sort of logo in the background. I've changed the colour profile in and then I've put some, some what kind of script, would you call that some sort of holy script font? <laughs> <laughs> you know, it's quite flowery and medieval looking. I believe it is the same font you use for most <laughs> podcast artworks. Well, look, it's so beautiful. I think I think I've done a good job with that one. I think it's. I it think stands that, out. that is an excellent uh, podcast I, artwork I, example. I use the color of his suit to sort of determine the color of the font and the and the background and everything. Now, so some people would say that that meant that you lacked imagination. No, I think that that binds it. It holds it together and. And that was, that's what makes it, you know, fine. Oh, dear. Slicko. Slicko on the YouTube. Fucking hate Army Shannabelle. Why don't you start donating more money? Because when we get to $10,000 an episode, there will be no more Army Shannabelle. Well, unless Slicko's like a bajillionaire. And if he was, he'd be at Bilderberg right now, wouldn't he? So maybe he is. Maybe he is. Well, he's no, he's not because I've I've perused the official list of who's attending Bilderberg this year. Right. Okay. Do you want to see? I've got some. I picked up some highlights. Right. We're just going to go straight in there, are we? Oh, we can finish the housekeeping in a minute. It's only going to take a minute. Bilderberg, twenty twenty two, Washington D.C. I've uh, subdivided this into three groups. First group: government elites. Uh, this is just highlights. We've got Jake Sullivan, director of the National Security Council. We've got Jens Stoltenberg, Secretary General of NATO. We've got Michael Mullen, former chairman of the Joint Chiefs of Staff. Uh, and we've got Charles Michel, president of the European Council. Never heard of him. European Council? The guys who run the EU? Yeah. John Michel's the president of the European Council. Oh, what about Henry Kissinger? Have you heard of him? Is he still alive? <laughs> Yep, he was at the WEF at Davos, and now he's at Bilderberg. How old is he? 98, maybe. Jesus. Yep. He's still going. Still going, fucking up everything for the rest of us. Wow. Uh, Captains of industry, Peter Thiel. Thiel Capital. One of the founding members of PayPal. Right, okay. So, you know, all all online payments. Big dick, yeah. (laughs) Emma Wormsley, CEO of GlaxoSmithKline. Um, Kevin Scott, Chief Technology Officer at Microsoft. Right. What kind of guy calls his company Microsoft? <laughs> Eric Schmidt. You must have heard of Eric Schmidt. No. Former CEO and Chairman of Google. No. No. No, that's I thought who, it was like an Indian guy. Former. So he was the guy who took it, took it, you know, 15 years ago and made it the behemoth it is today, Eric right. Schmidt. Uh, a few others, I won't bore you with them. Um, Alex Karp, he's the CEO of Palantir. Mm. Big AI data crunching firm. They're, they're one of the firms that are dying to get into the NHS. 
right. Palantir, and they have won government contracts. Mm-hmm. Massive firm. Mark Carney. Oh, yeah, obviously he'd be there. Former chair of the Bank of England. Albert Boulia. Is he not? Is he the, the head of the Bank of Canada now, Mark Carney? No, he was. All right. Former Goldman Sachs, mm-hmm. then Bank of Canada, then Bank of England. Albert Boulia, chairman, CEO of Pfizer, naturally. Mm-hmm. Uh, ben Van Burden, uh, CEO of Shell. Chairman of Goldman Sachs, Chairman of BP, Total Energies, Chief AI Scientist at Facebook. You get the picture. Lots of AI uh, mm. represented there. And then from the intelligence services, <laughs> David Petraeus. That's fine, isn't it? Business and intelligence. Yeah. Mm. David Petraeus, um, former general, um, former CIA director. Yeah. Was he not in charge of like the Iraq wars? Yep. Or one of them, the second one. Af- was it Af- Afghan or second Iraq? Can't remember. Right. Uh, so, and former CIA director, current CIA director William Burns, and current director of GCHQ Jeremy Fleming. Right. Okay. GCHQ is the UK equivalent of the NSA, National yeah. Security Agency, the Snoopers. Yeah. And uh, this is my favourite bit. And we're talking, there's prime ministers, defence ministers, royalty there present. Who do you think is representing the political elite of the United Kingdom? Not Michael Gove. Michael Gove. Oh, God. <laughs> Michael Gove, man. I can't find it. <laughs> I can't find it. Press anything. Capital letters. A big news story. Uh, but not just Michael Gove. Also, David Lammy. Oh, Lammy, <laughs> the opposition. Yeah. Is he from the opposition? Yeah, Labour. Yeah. Labour, yeah. So uh, how else can you become a producer is the question. We've done, um, have we done everything on, on Discord? I think we have. Yeah, buy some merch. Yeah, go to the Amish loot chest, link in the show notes for that. Get yourself a current grape t-shirt, literally communist hoodie, three weeks to flatten the earth mug or t-shirt. Uh, like and subscribe. Everywhere. All the links are in show notes. We're on every video platform pretty much going and every audio platform. So, yeah, mm. you can support us that way by uh, liking. Smash that like button. Hit the bell. Leave a comment. Hit that bell. Hey, hey let us know what you think in the comments. <laughs> Fucking hell. Even Russell Brand does that. Yeah? Yeah, they're quite slick with the way they do it. But, yeah, they ask for... Let me know what you think in the comments because you want to get more comments and then that helps the algorithm. That helps you, you get to 5.65 million subscribers. Exactly. You know, we could do it. Uh, I suppose the difference is we try and interact with the comments because we're live. Yeah. Whereas uh, Rusty Rockets doesn't. Yeah. Anything else? Well, you could always toss us a coin. Toss a coin to your witcher. Absolutely, do it for the lads. Lads, lads. You know, because oh, we're northern and we're bloody miserable and the weather's fucking shit. And if you go to the Armour Inquisition.com, there's a donate button there and you can give us a one off donation, sign up for a monthly recurring sustaining donation. And donations at the level of £50 or above will grant you the rank, the status, the cachet, the social standing, the. Rank? Have I said that? (laughs) (laughs) I'm executive producer for that episode. And that looks great on your curriculum vitae, your LinkedIn, and all the rest of it. I imagine it would. Yeah, save Plotland, man. Save Plotland. Okay, shall we do some... Oh, no, we need to thank the producers, don't we? It's that time, isn't it? Yeah. 
It's time to big up the Mandems. It's time to big up the Mandems, yo. It's a short list this week. (laughs) Producers for episode 234, we have Helen and Nick. Thank you. They are. Yeah. So amazing. What are we doing wrong? (laughs) They're going down. Thanks for your support for another week and uh, get involved. We don't buy it and we want to be interactive with everyone who's listening. So do all those things we said and the things in the show notes and uh, join with us. Mm, join. Be one of us. Join the dark side. No? No. Oh, okay. Don't then. Right. What have you got for us? Headlines. Should we do some headlines of the week? Does that sound like a good idea? Yeah, man. Capital letters. A big news story. What have we got? Oh, I've only got one this week, but it's a two-parter. Come on in. From The Guardian. The Amber Heard Johnny Depp trial was the female holocaust. I mean... Uh, it's quite a difficult one to unpack, isn't it? Yeah. Um, it looks as though this one was changed shortly after release. Yeah, I mean... <laughs> because... Uh, you can't you can't say that. Well, I mean, why would, you know, I'm not insinuating that The Guardian or, uh, you know, people on the left oh, have a history, a history of uh, that sort of thinking, but... It seems that this was changed shortly after. Right, okay. So uh, a, a gr- another great headline, to be fair. The Amber Heard Johnny Depp trial was an orgy of misogyny. Ooh. What was the other title we had? What was the other working title? Yeah, but you, you can't offend men. <laughs> you know, so. There wasn't a third one, was there? No, 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 oh. that's it. That's oh, the right. one that stood. Yeah, well, you know, we're a fair game, aren't we, men? <laughs> yes, certainly, yeah. So that's it, that's all I got on the... Uh, on the headlines of the week, there wasn't a great deal. Nutty I mean, stuff. you know, uh, the female Holocaust does um, kind of scream alarmism. Maybe a touch. Over uh, what, a Bread and Circus's show trial? Yeah, it was very weird how it, that's all been reported and consumed been... over tiktok i believe has been a, a very big it was like live well it was live streamed everywhere wasn't it but it was live streamed you could watch it on tiktok facebook all the different platforms and I people were sort of you know taking sides weren't they with the different stories but i mean they they both are obviously very troubled people yeah and then you know unfortunately when that kind of comes together i'll be troubled if someone's shutting me bed yeah and um you know alcoholism as well thrown into the mix I think, for Johnny Depp. So, you know, it wasn't going to end well, was it, as a relationship? And I think things were done on both sides. Wasn't Elon Musk in a relationship with Amber Heard for a spell? I believe so, yeah. Mm. Yeah. But that's not... What uh, happened? Maybe he realised a bit sooner. Maybe he rolled over and just sort of had a turd smeared across him. (laughs) Maybe that's what he's into. Maybe he's into (laughs) them. 
The bed ah. shitting. So was it her that shit in the bed? No one knows. No one knows. So I thought it was him that shit in the bed. Oh. Well, maybe I'm just a misogynist. There's a, there's loads of memes about her talking about standing on a bee. And I stood on a bee. A bee? Well, so, like a oh, the dog stood on a bee. That's a bumblebee. It. A dog stood on a bee. It's. I think it's because... Um, People are accusing her of acting her emotions in the trial. Oh. Acting, being upset, basically. Um, She's not a good actor, though, is she, really? So, So, yeah, there we go. Uh, Should we move on to Platy Jubes? Oh, right, yeah. Go on. Platinum Jubilee. It's been the Platinum Jubilee this weekend, a huge festival of pomp and ceremony in the UK. 70 years, is it? That Her Majesty has been on the throne. And you were saying just then about uh, circuses and bread, or bread and circuses. Yeah, same, same definite. So we've just had our £600 energy thing announced, haven't we? That was happened to be uh, announced the same day Sue Gray's report was released. It's 400 quid for... Uh, for normal us. people. For me, anyway. Well, yeah, whatever. For you, four hundred quid free, and then they put on a right good show, don't they? A few days later. Yeah. This will divert everyone's attention away from the fact that this man is refusing to leave his office of power when he <laughs> had, you know, every other kind of prime minister would have gone years ago. Who's the last prime minister to resign? The one before May. Oh, she resigned. Did she May? In the end, I think she did. Because she had a second vote of... It wasn't a leadership contest, was it not? That she lost. Oh, I don't know. I think it was. Was it? Who's the last Prime Minister who resigned? They don't. Cameron? Oh, yes. Yeah. I'm not dealing with this shit. He lost the (laughs) referendum, didn't he? Yeah. Yeah. I'm not dealing with this shit. I'm out. Yeah. Yeah, because that's right. Because he purposely said uh, before the referendum, I will not resign, whatever the outcome. Did he? Yeah, yeah. Um, and the reason for that being, he didn't want the referendum to be a referendum on his premiership. Right. He didn't want people to vote leave because he fucking hate David Cameron. Cameron. <laughs> so he said that beforehand. And uh, so people left. Uh, people voted leave. And he said, oh, turns out that was sh- bullshit. I'm resigning. Mm. Someone else can sort out this mess. Mm-hmm. That dragged on for years. But yeah, yeah, you're right. Cameron, he was the last to resign. Mm. Unheard of. Not, not, not a. Uh, it's a rare occurrence for a politician to fall on his sword or her sword. Yeah. Um, Platy Jubilee. Yeah, Platy Jubilee. Andrew missed it. Prince Andrew. <laughs> Did you not hear? He got, he, he got COVID on the day on the oh, Thursday. Oh, what a, what a yeah, shame! Yeah, tested positive. Did he? What are the chances? I know. Testing positive on that Thursday. Meghan and Harry made it, didn't they? for him. <laughs> Hmm? Meghan and Harry made it, didn't they? I believe so, yeah. I've not watched any of it. No, so. I, I watched about three minutes last night with Queen with Adam Lambert. All right. Was she on drums? <laughs> Queen? <laughs> yeah, she was. Right, I don't even it? think she was at the concert. Was she the Queen? I, thought, I, I, I think she's unwell. <laughs> she should be. She's like 100. 96, isn't she? Yeah, I mean, it's a long day, isn't it, to be... Centre of attention. I think she's only been to one of the things, hasn't she? On Thursday. Mm. Yeah, she missed the Thanksgiving service. Right. Which I think was on Friday. Mm. She did the lighting and the first beacon thing, whatever that was. 
They sell yeah. a lot of beacons off. I don't, you know, I don't really give a shit about any of it, to be honest. No. Clive Myrie was talking, was, I watched something on iPlayer that my wife was watching a little, I watched a little bit of it, which was around the Crown Jewels. Oh, yes, my mum enjoyed this. And um, he was talk- I found it quite interesting about stuff around Oliver Cromwell. Um, and he, me- he got all of the Crown Jewels and melted them down. And then they were remade for when the restoration happened, basically. So that one's the, from the 16... When did Cromwell die? Charles II. When did Cromwell die? Restoration. Um, oh, Christ, now you're asking. 16... Forty? I would say 46. James I, I think, was 1606. Right, okay. And it was Charles I who Cromwell decapitated. Right, so uh, I should know it. I, I, I would say like sixteen thirty something. I don't know. So yeah. So they basically made these. Oh, films. Charles II, Royal Society. When was the Royal Society founded? Sixteen forty-two. <laughs> it's around then. It's, it's ancient history. It's, well, isn't it? Well, so they had new jewels. For, uh, I thought this is why I, I wasn't listening a little bit because I was also um, doing some stuff around. Uh, image rescripting so um for my job so um i couldn't figure out if they were used the same gold that's what it seemed like and the same jewels but just reset them in a different <coughs> crown, basically. <coughs> but anyway check it out it was interesting right yeah i heard about the diamonds there's some uh, insane diamondry in the scepter now yeah that's the uh <sighs> the wand the caduceus it's the, the wand of Hermes, the it's, scepter. It's the one that was found in South Africa, isn't it? The heart of Africa, I think it's... Oh, was it not India? There was some umbrage taken by India and Pakistan, was it not, about some of the jewels? And Iran has a claim over it as well. I think it's been to Iran, that one. Yeah. Get them back, you know, we'll give Algin Margols back as well. Um, so, yeah, there was like, there was, there was talking about like the Sikh prince that they, they took That's it from right. in, in yeah, the Punjab. Sort of 10-year-old kid, yeah. In the 1830s, I think it was. You can keep the jewel or you can keep your kingdom. Mm. Sort of ultimatum. Uh, no, I think it, they, they, they took the kingdom and that means that we have we have ownership of everything that you own, so that means you give me your diamond. Any acquiesced? Unfortunately. Um, unheard. Did uh, some Vox Pops. Right. On the around uh, the platy-jubes. Have you got some jubes. good ones? Uh, yeah, I've got one. One is enough, would you not say? Okay. Can find it. It's because there are some, like, proper royal superfans out there. The great in Great Britain is the royal family. You take away the royal family, we're just Britain. There's nothing else that's unique about us. Um, there's nothing else to be so proud of. They work so hard. You know, people should read what they do in their lives. It's not cushy. It's not easy. They're not rich. They're, They're not rich. Yeah. So win- the Windsor estate looks awful, doesn't it? Mm. Wow. That's a They're not lazy. They work for us every day. They work for us. And through COVID, members of the family were out volunteering, like the Queen did in the war. She On the Bongo Express. <laughs> how much did the... How much was the... Um, how much did money did the Queen pay to Andrew to uh, the hush money for Victoria Gouffray? Was it 20 million? The out-of-court settlement? Oh, it was, it was millions, wasn't it? Yeah. Yeah. Mm. 
Yeah. So you know, it's all just nonsense, isn't it? Yeah. I mean, they probably do work. I, you know, I get the I get the vibe that the Queen probably has worked a lot, but you know, it's still a life of insane luxury, isn't it? Yeah, and there's a scrutiny that comes with it. I wouldn't want it. No. I wouldn't want to be, you know, I can sympathise with Harry. I wouldn't want to be born into that family. So I like, yeah. a normal, I like normalcy. And I think it's a little bit like, you know, it's a bit sort of uh, <laughs> politicking and, you know, talk about the history of Rome podcast, you know, that kind of thing in terms of the internal family dynamics and fights, who has power and prestige within the family. Um. You know, I'm pretty sure I'm not going to accuse uh, royal family members of wanting to murder each other, but maybe a few hundred years ago they might have done. Mm, maybe like uh, 25 years ago they might have done. Right, what happened then? 97. Oh, okay. Yeah. I wasn't even thinking about that, but you know, yeah, maybe. Maybe, yeah. Maybe. 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 Don't put it past them. Nice to see you, Helen. Helen's here. I'm late, but I'm here. Mm. Welcome, Helen. Welcome. We had a great guest tonight. Yeah, we did. Enjoyed that one. Mm. Um, I think that's it enough on, on platitudes in it. I have really nothing interested. else to say. No, I'm not interested in it. No. Should we do Kenobi? <laughs> okay. Kenobi episode three dropped this week. Yeah. Um, you seem to think it was like good. I said it was it was fine. Fine. It was okay. You know, I enjoyed it. I mean, I was obviously I was very disappointed with his lightsaber ability, and um, you know, the new sort of character in it was okay. Like the the Link woman, Reva. Is that what she was called? Reva, the third sister. No, what are you talking about? No. Oh, the spy. Yeah, she was like a, she came out as a like a commandant and then shot all the <laughs> space troopers in the back. There's so much wrong with this episode, man. Um and then like, you know, and then like Yeah, that was okay. I uh I love the way the sort of diminishing Kenobi. It's it's funny at this point. So before that, immediately before that, they're on this transporter mm-hmm. and the stormtroopers come on and, and uh Kenobi's w- with Leia. And uh, Leia comes up with the backstory, mm. and uh, what Kenobi like says her name by accident because <laughs> he's such a fucking useless prick now. They know what they're doing, Leia. <laughs> they know what they're doing, Leia. Yeah, you're ruining you're ruining this kind of spin for me. I just thought it was like going to build to this kind of <laughs> like episode six, like Obi Wan's back and he's going to go and slay. No, he's fucking useless with his, with his lightsaber. He can't. I Keep mean, up with a ten-year-old girl, and you know he's going to be. He runs like a toddler. Yeah, but I thought they were like building this thing, so he comes back. But you're just going to you're saying that you know it's, that's not going to happen, and they know what they're doing, Leia, and they're going to you know. Oh, make well, it well, so... I haven't got there yet. I haven't got there yet. All right, okay. It reminded me that scene. Reminded me, I laughed when he did that, and it reminded me of this. Your name will also go on the list. <laughs> what is it? Don't tell him, Pike. Pike. Don't tell him your name, Pike. Yeah. And so they uh, they're on the transporter and they go to a checkpoint. Yes. Where there's that laser, like laser barrier. Yeah. No, why didn't I just walk around it? 
Well, yes, because they did an overhead shot where you could just walk around it, couldn't you? Yeah, yeah. Yeah, but um, he still can't, doesn't know how to use his lightsaber yet. I know. Master Jedi General Kenobi. <laughs> Ten years after he's defeated Darth Vader. <laughs> That's uh, right. I can't get my head around as well. But I just, I, the other thing I'm thinking is he, he, I'm coming at it from an angle that he's lost his faith, you see. He's lost his faith in the Force. That's what I'm sort of feeling. But you're just ruining it for me. Like, go back to the episode before. He has one job. What is his job? I can't remember. It's not that good. <laughs> Look after Luke. Oh, right. Yeah, yeah, right? yeah, yeah. So in, I think it's episode two. The three Inquisitors are on Tatooine. <laughs> Nearly catch him. And he fucking leaves Luke yeah. to go and rescue Leia. Yeah. You had one job. <laughs> Stay on Tatooine, for fuck's sake. <laughs> anyway, they get to this checkpoint the laser beam checkpoint there's like five stormtroopers two up in towers whatever he somehow manages to kill them kill them all with a blaster Mm. and then yeah there's a thing where the the laser bridge where i mean he shoots it i mean you could just walk around the laser checkpoint but he shoots it i think oh well maybe he's shooting it so they can get back in the transporter yeah yeah, yeah. but no they walk and they walk through it and then that's when three stormtroopers yeah. and the officer come, and he just gets down on his flat hands and knees. Mm. I found that a bit weird as well, yeah. Well, he had to, yeah, for, so for, that for, she could for, save him. Yeah, I was going to say. I did think that at that point, to be honest with you. But um, he still might come good. <laughs> he might. He might. So do you think... Do you right, think, next, what about the tunnel? Oh, fuck's sake, what about the tunnel? You know, they go to a safe house. yeah. And then there's a, a secret door uh, button that goes to a, a like a secret room, and then there's the tunnel. Yeah, right. So um, Darth Vader's arrived. Yes, Darth Vader arrives. Um, he starts just randomly killing children. Yeah, he does. Because yeah. that's what he does apparently in Star Wars. Just randomly, just out of spite. I don't know. Maybe he's trying to lure Obi Wan out. Who knows? Yeah. So the the mole, the spy, imperial officer, and Leia mm. go into the tunnel. Mm-hmm. And Leia says, uh, "Sorry, Ben Kenobi says I'll distract them. I'll hold them off. Mm-hmm. You go, you mm-hmm. go, get her back to her parents or whatever." Yeah. So the little girl, Leia, and the officer go down the tunnel. Um, Obi Wan goes off and does this fucking shit show. Reva. <laughs> The third sister finds the safe house because a, jo- a droid walked out the door. So yeah. she Im- immediately goes into there. She finds the tunnel, mm-hmm. and then she goes... In pers- uh, well, that's where the scene ends. She finds the secret tunnel. Cut further on, the Imperial officer and Leia, mm-hmm. the the spy officer says... Oh, you oh, Leia, Leia says, Leia says, you've got to go back and save him. Because yeah. he's fucking useless, yeah. obviously. And so the Imperial officer says, right... You go ahead. Someone will be waiting for you. Mm. I'll go back and save him again. <laughs> so what do you think? Well, she's going to run into Reva, and Reva's going to kill her. Mm-hmm. No, somehow she managed to be. She managed to evade Reva. Yeah, that yeah, that was kind of washed over, wasn't it? Yeah, and ends up at a mountaintop to save Kenobi again. And then somehow Reva has got in front of Leia yeah. and meets her at the end of the tunnel. Explain this to me. Yeah, that like, that was a bit weird at the time. Yeah, it's shit. It's like, has, uh, is, did anyone watch this before they released it? 
maybe it's been cut and they've, yeah, they've not thought about it. So in the meantime, Obi Wan sort of he goes, whimpering. <laughs> goes goes whimpering out into a quarry, and Darth Vader shows up. Oh, they're reuniting after ten yeah. years. <laughs> Red lightsaber comes off. Obi Wan, I'm out of here. I know he runs off, away, doesn't he? Runs off. Yeah. And then uh, and then he just starts walking. He's just walking. Darth Vader turns up again. Mm-hmm. And they have a bit of a, a shitty duel. It's in like a... It's dark. It's like a dark quarry. There's not, it's not an interesting background, is it, to have a bit of a duel? Well, well, I don't know. You know, it could have been. But it wasn't. No. no. Don't know why. And I'll tell you what was interesting. I don't know if this is breaking, like, the lore uh-huh. of Star Wars... But they're dueling, mm. and Vader picks him up and fo- fo- force chokes him. Well, I just I took that to be just a, a demonstration of Vader has been practicing his powers in the dark force, the dark side even. <laughs> and uh, this is yeah brings me back to that thing about that he's just lost his faith because he keeps coming back to this talk to me uh, Qui-Gon doesn't he Master Qui-Gon or whatever mm. and he can't get him to uh, speak to him as a force ghost or whatever it's called because right at the beginning of the series it did the um, I don't know if you watched it but it did the catch up so it did loads of clips from all the she fast forwarded it the fucking idiot so no. she's the first three so it made a point of um, ending on um, <laughs> <laughs> Great comment. Yeah. Um, <coughs> Tony, uh, legend. Um, it ended with Yoda saying, whilst you're away, kind of thing, I will teach you how to communicate. Yeah, with. yeah, I remember it from the third film. So, and he keeps you know, showing, he can't do it, can't do it, can't do it, or whatever. So, I just thought it was this whole thing, you know. Um, the point um, that's sort of going further than I anticipated, I thought there was some sort of unwritten rule that you don't use force powers when you're dueling. Otherwise, oh. why haven't they just used it before? Do you remember episode two? Christopher Lee, Count Dooku, and Yoda. Like, on each, uh, they don't use it on each other, but they use it to like swipe stuff down. Oh, yeah, yeah. yeah. Three stuff across, and yes, he says like, "Oh, well, this contest won't be settled by our knowledge of the force, mm. but by our ability with a lightsaber." <laughs> so it's one of the you know they use force powers, and that's not so. We're going to have to settle this with a duel. Yeah, and as far as you know, I try to think back. When if they use like force chokes and lightning while they've been dueling, it doesn't. It seems like that's like an unwritten rule of the. Well, the, the what's his face? The emperor did. Lightning, not when he had his lightsaber out. He didn't have. No, his he lightsaber. was like, yeah, that's what I mean. He did use it. I suppose he that was. was when it's one or the other. Right. Okay. Is it not? I don't know. That's that's what the point I'm getting. I thought that was like an unwritten, like. Uh, rules better, of the anyway, game. you know, if he gets this, the last episode and he he hasn't sort of regained his power, um, then I'll be very disappointed. Yep. But they don't um, make him, you know, good again. What about the fire? I thought that was quite interesting. It's like um, Vader sets, like, yeah. some fuel alight with his lightsaber and picks Kenobi up and drags him through the flames. Mm-hmm. Like, this is what you did to me. I want you to feel this pain. 
And it's like, wow, why is he not horrifically scarred in, in A New Hope? It's been roasted, and it like it gets roasted in these flames, and it's then just he, he just has a bit of a, of a yeah. burnt shoulder. I was wondering, <laughs> what the fuck? What's going on with that? You got a really deep burn on his shoulder. Yeah, and then um, he gets rescued again by the strong female spy. Robot. Well, the spy shoots the stormtroopers, yeah, yeah. and Vader's like, "Well, this not, is other, not doing out." This is this is the other thing. It's like the other side of. I said this to my wife. I said, "Why is he not just jumping over the fire, man?" Or putting the fire out. Yeah, exactly, yeah. He's like, it's, I've been looking for this guy for 10 fucking years. I and find, he sliced and diced me. I, I finally have him. Oh, no! <laughs> Six feet of fire! Why not just drag him through that fire? You've already demonstrated the ability yeah. to drag him through fire. But no, this robot just, just strolls along, picks him up. See ya! See you in a bit. It's just terrible, man. It's dog shit. Mm. Um, I I hope. I mean, it's funny. It's it's so bad. It's funny at this point. What did your kids make of it? They they don't really have the sophistication or the background. Knowledge. Yeah, no. But did they enjoy it as a TV show? Yeah, I think so. Yeah, okay, the six. Yeah, yeah it's good. You know, if you're, if you're six, it's really good. It's really good. But I mean, six year olds are easily amused. Yeah. Um. This is Star Wars. It's the it's the biggest franchise in movie history, maybe, or one of the most culturally significant franchise franchises ever. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, it shouldn't be the fourth most popular thing of the week, <laughs> should it? After Stranger Things and whatever the other two things were that came out this week. Yeah, I mean they're not they're not making a good. I think they have you know. They're not making a good I will show just of say, it. just wait, just wait for these next three episodes because I'm I predict it ain't getting better and it's going to get even funnier. Right? I don't know. I don't. I don't know when to make any predictions live, but yeah, uh, yeah. I think maybe I don't know. No, I'm not going there. <laughs> I've told you off air what I think will happen. I don't want to spoil it. Oh uh, yeah, I think you might be right now. You know, thinking about it, or you know, we'll talk about it later, haven't you? Yeah. Right. Banal sex. Nice. What should we move on to? I don't know. What else should we get? I don't know. I've, I've thrown my papers all over the floor. My my ire, my fury at the way they're treating one of the best sci-fi characters, one of the most important to me as a child, Hello. who's been retconned out of existence and turned into a an absolute pussy. But you know, that's Disney for you. He's not. This is the thing. You, you know, he's a coward. He ran away. But he's broken. He's a broken Jedi. Mm. Yeah. He's lost his Jedi faith. Let's maybe put. You know, I don't think so. Let's put the the lack of Jedi faith prism. And anyway, like Tony says at the end, um, they might just all get arrested, like in Monty Python's Holy Grail. <laughs> that would be. That would make sense. Yeah. That would make sense definitely. Mm. All right, let's move on. Should we do uh, JB, Joe Biden? I had to take this clip. As you know, there's been a couple of tragic events in recent weeks with uh, mass shootings. Right. And you know what that means? We need to regulate. Regulators! We need to regulate the guns and whatnot. Right. And uh, I had to pick this clip up because I found it hilarious. This is Joe Biden talking about uh, Second Amendment gun manufacturers. And regulation thereof. Oh, God. We should repeal the liability shield 
that often protects gun manufacturers from being sued for the death and destruction caused by their weapons. So a liability shield for gun manufacturers we need to revoke. They're the only industry in this country that has that kind of immunity. Ooh, that's an interesting thing to say. Even I know this one. <laughs> what? Well, what, what about what's happened with the vaccine? <laughs> no, yeah. 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 Nonsense, isn't it? Ooh, a new one. What? I knew, I knew what the answer was. Oh, right. Sorry, I thought it was a comment. You're yeah. <laughs> celebrating a new comment? No. <laughs> Fuck off. <laughs> More pussy. <laughs> that was just a short one. I just found it interesting because it's nonsense. Uh, what about the US firm who's building the biggest ever vat of no cruelty meat? I mean, you know, I've said this before. If it tastes all right, I'd probably eat it. <laughs> I would probably, I would, I would, um, you know, I'm just going to say that I, pref- I probably would prefer to eat a cow, but you know, if it tasted okay. You're not, bu- you're not buying like the grass fed argument that, you know, you should be eating a healthy animal and there's a difference between factory farmed and grass fed organic. I would probably say, um, yeah, in those kinds of terms, but if you're just going to grow it in a vat, <laughs> that's not as, you know, there isn't one that's just fucking in a pen, is there? You're just injecting with hormones. You're just having hormones that's in a vat. (laughs) (laughs) Obviously, I would prefer to have... I would prefer to have... In fact, I think I've said it before. I think I probably would be prepared to hunt Mm. and have a go at uh, butchering an animal, to be honest with you. Um, But, you know, the opportunity doesn't really come up. An American company will build the world, world's largest bioreactors to create artificially grown meat that doesn't require the killing of animals. Good Meat, the cultivated, cultivated meat division of Eat Just, has commissioned, <coughs> commissioned the largest known bioreactors for chicken and beef. Cult- <coughs> God. Cultivated meat, also sometimes referred to as cell-based meat, clean meat, cultured meat and in vitro meat is artificially grown genuine meat (laughs) that is produced by cultivating animal cells directly after cells are taken from a healthy animal which isn't killed they are placed in a large tank where they are fed nutrients until they divide and grow is it a baxter tank could be a 250,000 litre baxter tank now this is right so what is you know the argument for doing this isn't it is is cow farts i assume is it not and the general kind of you don't have to kill the animal right okay the uh environmental argument is uh still to be decided right these things need lots of electricity this is what i was just about to say so you know surely so this is just from an animal cruelty per se from an animal cruelty perspective there is no argument against it if you're against the killing of animals mm-hmm. and you want to eat meat, then you've got to eat this. I'm not against the killing of animals. Yeah. That was, this is the, the, the yummy. <laughs> but the other thing as well is this kind of... Oh, what's the word I'm looking for? This kind of... Um, Bullshit. But I suppose... In, in the Pussy wild... rashes. In the wild, you know... Uh, an animal it doesn't come and have like a nice clean death 
it normally gets diseased and then he's eaten alive, maybe. Yes, animals don't else. live forever. <laughs> no. So, and then, you know, I, it, I, you could kind of view it, couldn't you, as this kind of overproduction or, you know, mass manufacturing slaughter of animals and all the rest of it and uh, a bolt gun to their head. But at least they're kind of tased <laughs> beforehand. Um, and then they're bolted and then that's it. There's no kind of, you know, leg sore, limping around. Then a, a lion gets you, rips your throat out, chokes you. Maybe you get up again, then mm. chokes you again. Mm. Or, you know, if you're crossing a river and a fucking crocodile bites you and drowns you, and then you try and get up out again and it drowns you again, and then you get eaten alive by a crocodile. What would be preferable? I think I'd rather be tased and then bolted in the head. Yeah, if it comes if it comes to relieving suffering, mm. I think the 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 sticking point that we have is is the conditions that they live in. Okay, you know, like factory farming that that's no good. That's that's not how an animal should live, is it? Where they where they're stacked up in these chicken. things. I mean, you know, I've probably got some sympathy for that, and also yeah. some sympathy for like you know <laughs> these chickens that we've kind of in this country. I don't know about elsewhere that we've bred to have huge breasts. And you know, are completely abnormal, um, but it's tasty. Um, and you know, it doesn't stop me from eating it, even though I know that, and I know that probably they're locked up in a barn for most of the, their lives. I do try to get free range eggs, but even they're locked up because of bird flu. Half bird the flu, yeah, yeah. So you know, yeah. There's no easy answers, but I, you know, I'm probably not willing to give up on give up meat because of you know it's seen as cruel no you might not have a choice that's the thing with the uh, the carbon argument we may mm. not have a choice we may have, you know it'll be bugs <laughs> bugs well, I've, I've or said, clean meat i've seen i've said that before on this podcast years ago again if it was some kind of insect bug paste <laughs> formed into a patty and it tasted all right and looked a bit like beef i'd probably eat it <coughs> <coughs> if it looked okay, okay, would I All eat right. a human? Um, no, but I do think humans are different animals. Unfortunately, do you not eat more pussy? No, I don't know. Yeah, probably eat a cat. I mean, if I was really hungry, who knows what I'd eat? You know, but that, we just don't have that kind of. Um... I've been saying I've, I've been fattening Zeus up for a year now. <laughs> for when the shit goes down, I reckon we yeah. can get a, you know. Uh, three months worth of meat off him so something that I quite often think about in this argument is this is a film that stays with me throughout my life it's called The Road it's a Cormac McCarthy book oh um, originally but I, I, don't, I, I think it's a book that he wrote and then I think he might have written the script for the film but in that you know there's one there's loads of scenes that stick with me in it but one of them is they kind of go into this house and they hear and like they, all of a sudden these people come back and they've come across them before, and the people that hunt humans because there's wow. nothing to eat in, in in this kind of world. Yeah. Um, and anyway, so they go and hide in the basement, and down in the basement, there's loads of people that they've had down there for like years, and are all emaciated and all living in the dark and are all sort of creepy. But that's how they're living. So who knows what choices I would make to feed my children or whatever? Shoe leather, man. If it comes to it, yeah. You know, it's one of them. I don't know. I don't know what I'd do. Shall we move on to an adjacent subject? Yeah. Carbon credits, China style. Okay. Alibaba. 
Alibaba Cloud makes net zero targets personal with Carbon Ledger. So Alibaba is like the Chinese or Asian version of Amazon, isn't it? I think it's one of the world's largest retailers mm. and certainly the dominant retailer in Asia. Bigger than Amazon, I think Alibaba is. Um, schools and communities in China are tapping Alibaba Group's cloud computing arm to build personal carbon accounts as the country vows to become carbon neutral by 2060. <laughs> Alibaba Cloud launched... <laughs> launched the, are we just going to gloss over that? <laughs> what? i got a bit of Windy Pops. Jeez Louise. <laughs> Trying my best. It's hard work this sometimes, reading. Here is Rick. <laughs> Come on, Morty. Alibaba Cloud launched the Energy Expert platform in February this year, allowing people to monitor their carbon footprint and receive credits worth money when making low-carbon choices. Mm-hmm. Expect to earn 200 carbon credits when you lick your plate clean. Right, okay, that's uh, weird. And 554 credits if you take the subway. This isn't satire. 200 credits if you lick your plate clean. What's the benefit? Why why, why is that carbon efficient to lick? You're not wasting out. Right. (laughs) According to the measurement system devised by Guangzhou-based certification body Sepri, in partnership with Alibaba Cloud, the platform, in quotes, the platform is designed to encourage people to adopt low-carbon behaviours and be environmentally accountable. So, you know, like all them factories that are just pouring smog into the air, like the petroleum companies polluting the rivers. That's your fault. You have to be accountable to this Ooh. by licking your fucking plate clean, you slave. <laughs> you fucking disease on the cancerous polyp on the anus of this planet. You shouldn't even be here. The population should be like 300 million on this planet, you scumbags. <laughs> fucking useless eaters. Just fuck off and die, will you? Yeah, so, you know... <laughs> Jeff Bezos first. Oh, my God. The trick is to develop a model that translates individual activities into carbon credits and builds up a community that promotes a low-carbon lifestyle based on the carbon credit system. Uh, let's move on. The neighborhood of Jinquao Zizhou, located in the southern city of Shenzhen. That's the manufacturing, one of the manufacturing hubs, isn't it? Mm. was one of the first to partner with Alibaba Cloud. Since piloting late last year, the community's 589 residents have been able to save 37 tonnes of carbon and emissions. Every Xinjiao Siju resident has a personal carbon account. Every citizen. Wow. Has a personal carbon account to monitor power use and carbon emissions. Because a lot of what they say over here in the West, like we heard in the WEF, mm. these things will be voluntary. Of course it'll be voluntary. No. There was a guy at the WEF this week. Um, I can't remember. Where was he from? Was he from Goldman Sachs? Saying they're working on this for the West. Mm. But obviously it's voluntary. Every citizen <laughs> resident has a personal carbon account to monitor power use and carbon emissions. A household account combines the totals of everyone living in the same house. The emissions are calculated based on electricity, water and gas use, which can be balanced by solar or wind energy use with facilities available in the neighbourhood. Well, this is the thing then, isn't it? That it, If you read into that, that last bit about sort of solar and wind, it puts the, the, the cost on you. 
to then pay for solar panels Upgrade. and the power into your house. Therefore, you know, you get credits or whatever to yeah. live your life. I've got a, like a 15 year old van. It does 3,000 miles a year or something. Yeah. It costs nothing, nothing to run. Mm-hmm. Oh, but that's dirty. You need to spend £40,000 on, well, yeah. on a new van that you can plug in. You, is- you fucking servile bitch. <laughs> Say, I was talking about this. I can't remember if we were talking about this on this or somewhere else. I think it's probably on here about the Yaz. The Honda Yaz, yeah. They, they don't take account of the environmental, effect, environmental impact of scrapping a perfectly good, usable car. Well, this is the thing. So, you know, it's 2004. So that's <laughs> what year? 18 years old. Hmm. Now, you're telling me that that car runs perfectly. I put like. 30 quid of unleaded in that's like 10% alcohol now or something stupid. Ethanol. <laughs> yeah. Um, into it. You're telling me that the carbon, my carbon footprint would be reduced by me buying a brand new electric car. How much carbon is in each electric car that comes off? Do you know how long the uh, batteries are guaranteed for in the electric cars? Well, I thought it was like... Well, I seem to remember something like seven years, but I might be wrong. Depends. Some are six. I think Tesla are eight. Right, okay. Or 100,000 miles. So that's nothing, is it, for a car? So, like, my car's done 106, I think, now, maybe. Maybe a bit more. 110. And uh, the price of replacement batteries apparently is falling. Right. But you're still talking thousands. And this is the other thing. is, is it Sort of like... Breaking down of the batteries, I imagine that's incredibly polluting and dangerous. All the oh, no, we're going to use them to power factories. Oh, fuck off. So, <laughs> and also the mining of lithium. What else goes in a battery? All kinds of crazy shit, isn't it, basically? And where does all that shit come from? Africa. Yeah, exactly. And I imagine that's all responsibly sourced. From those yeah, there won't be countries. any like child labour no, or like, really so, dangerous working conditions for children down there, will yeah, there? I'm sure they're getting a fair price. No, I've not heard of col- conflict minerals or coltan or, you know, like yeah. the, the, those guys in the DRC, they run a tight ship when it comes to child welfare. <laughs> exactly. So. When they're not arming them with machine guns and stuff. Yeah. Yeah, it's fucked up. That's so, what, I mean, that's what is, we're getting and at. And then, you know, uh, is is a Tesla made in the UK? No. Shipped here on a fucking ship. And then, it, you know, it, it gets from the ship to me. So there is no way me putting 30 pounds of unleaded in that fucking shit heap is less or more impactful than me buying a brand new car. And then it would be interesting to see how long it would take you to then earn pay, back pay off, pay the off carbon. your carbon score. We will see. This is the new marketplace. It's been going for over a year now. The carbon, uh, carbon cap and trade. Mm. That's what's coming. Now you're going to get a quota, and you're going to trade that. The set, of, set of the price of carbon is going to be set every month, is it, or every three weeks or something? Fucking nonsense! It's a racket, man. Just it's it's only racket. who's making money out of this? Mark Carney. <laughs> And his mates at Bilderberg. What a surprise. Yeah. Bill yeah. Gates. But, you know, they've got to because of the, you know, they have to comply with their ESG. <laughs> they have to look after their ESG score, oh. you know, to gain, to gain investment. Mm. It's, it's just so fucked up, the world but we're living again, in. Again, you know, 
All it's day. like, I don't care. It's like you don't impinge on my freedom. <laughs> but that's not what's going to happen. You know? It may be slowly, slowly. Interestingly, so maybe what you can start doing, something just come into my mind, if you have to get rid of your van, there is a window cleaner round my end who just doesn't have a car or anything. He just walks around with his ladder and bucket and squeegee. So you, maybe you'll just have to walk around with your tool belt. Jesus! <laughs> Spider-Man's belt. And, uh, you know, it's just some wires and some screwdrivers and you'll be fine. Uh, I would imagine there's a, around a ton of stuff in the back of my van. Yeah, mostly, it's mostly empty fag packets. <laughs> my dad used to have a cart. Of empty fag packets? No, a cart. They used to pull a cart with the tool. My dad was a plumber. Really? Yeah, when he was an apprentice, he had a cart. Well, they didn't have cars like yeah, they do fair. now. Yeah, yeah. And they would pull a cart down the road. Mm. Right, I'm going to have to dip to all sailors. Three mile walk there, three mile walk back. I know, yeah. You know, it doesn't work, does it? People yeah. want the job doing straight away. Mm-hmm. No, it'll just be whatever it costs me, you're going to have to pay. You're going to have mm. to, you know, the customer will have to pay. Mm. You know? It gets it's, passed on, doesn't it? It That's gets passed thing. on. Yeah. Of course it does. Yeah. yeah. It has to, because we have to make a living. Mm-hmm. Um, we've been trying to combine behavioral science with technology. Uh, to change people's perceptions <laughs> and make low carbon fashionable, blah blah. This guy from Alibaba. Students are also encouraged to submit. Sorry, students are also encouraged to submit photos of their clean plates after every meal to curb greenhouse gases emission from waste disposal. One of the many mechanisms that subtly nudge participants to go low carbon without limiting your choice mm. yeah it's uh, it's crazy it's a crazy old world we're living in but you know what about frost formation huh? have you heard about frost formation in derbyshire check this shit out <laughs> national archaeology this is from frost formation on a rock resembling a fish eye has been spotted by an unsuspecting photographer frost that is frost when they say frost, do they mean ice? Frost formation. <laughs> Lee Pugh was hoping to get a picture of the sunrise in the Derbyshire Peak District when he got the feeling he was being watched. I bet he did. He posted this picture of the frozen puddle on social media where many users said the rock resembled a fish's or even a dragon's eye or head. Yeah, man. Yeah, Nephilim. Real yeah. live um, Nephilim giants mm. in the Peak District. Um, the 51-year-old, wow, Lee Pugh. I mean, that sounds like a young person's name, doesn't it? Does it? Just to me, yeah. Lee, spelt like that. The 51-year-old said he was just in the right place at the right time. Mr Pugh spotted the bizarre formation last week on Stanton Moor Edge near Birchover from the BBC. That's pretty wild, though, isn't it? Can you imagine if you saw that? Um, yeah, I'd, I'd be instantly freaked out. Dragon eyes, isn't it? That is the most dragon eyes I've seen. Big boulder is watching you. <laughs> exactly, Very yeah. good. I like that. Mm. Mm. In the, was it the Peak District? Yeah, Derbyshire. Is that George Orwell country? I mean, he was all over, weren't he? I don't know. Is he no, not? I, just, I, just, I, thought was, I thought it was from like round there. Was he? I don't know. I mean, uh, Road to Wigan Pier was one book, weren't it? Yes, that was his... A sort of write-up, wasn't it, about the living conditions in 
Wigan, I think. The working class, the mill, mm-hmm. like the, the cotton trade and whatnot, and the mill, millers. It's one I've not read. I've read I think I've read all of his novels. Keep the Aspidistra asp flying. Yes, I've read That's that one. one. There's one where, where a man has a really nice cheese sandwich in it. <laughs> I don't remember that I one. think about it, yeah, because it's like he escapes the... I think that might be to keep the Aspidistra away. Ah, right. And he escapes his sort of mundane life. And he goes to the countryside and he has a, and has a nice Oh, yes, it is. it is. It is. Yeah. Isn't there a, a romantic interest in that one as well? There always is, isn't there? Yeah. Uh, it's coming back to me now. Yeah, it was quite romantic, that one. Um, what about Neanderthal? Should we do some Neanderthal news? Always. Every week we should do Neanderthal news. Neanderthal, Neanderthal man's recreated face takes internet by storm. Here he is. Boom! What a guy. Now... (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, man. It's like uh, Bill and Ted. Like a surfer dude. Well, he's obviously had a mushroom, hasn't he? He started growing his prefrontal cortex. Ah, Stoned ape. Exactly. Stoned Neanderthal. Exactly. Theory. Yeah. Yeah, a recreation of a Neanderthal man's face is turning heads all over the world, not only for its strong resemblance to our own physiognomy, but also because of the good humour it it exudes as much as 70,000 years after the man passed away. What almost everybody instantly recognises is that this man, nicknamed Cringe... (laughs) Seriously? Well, it's K-R-I-J-N... Cringe. <laughs> well, I think cringe is funnier. Gringe. <laughs> what almost everybody instantly recognises is that this man, nicknamed Cringe, who was not even a homo sapien, has a magnetic personality and still radiates over the millennia. Couldn't agree more. He might have been a twat. <laughs> he might have been, though, might he? <laughs> Fuck off, Cringe. <laughs> yeah, really stupid grin. <laughs> Well, you're fucking grinning. My kids are just being Oh, killed. you're ruining it for me. Who knows? Who knows what that Neanderthal school had inside it in terms oh. of personality and soul? I thought, it, like, cringe was going to be, like, just like a laid-back surfer dude. Yeah, I did. You know, like, saying, no, he's, 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 like, knocking over your missus while you're at work. Yeah, that's why he's good. <laughs> with your, what, with your uh, antler. With, with your antler, deer antler, scratching out Gebekli Tepe. <laughs> yeah. And he's at home. Yeah. The uh, Neanderthal version of the proverbial milkman. Yeah. Oh, I'm sorry to hear that cringe. Bye, cringe. Oh, what time are we on? It's time. Fuck, mate, it's time. It's 11 o'clock nearly. Yeah. Yeah, anything you want to add? No. no. Oh, my god, Helen, you might have more... Well, Helen in, in... Why didn't I think of this, Helen? Should have put him on screen as a replacement of Ben. He probably has a better personality than Ben, to be fair. Do you think? Mm. Um, why on earth didn't I think of this? Yeah. Look at this. We're just doing some uh, producing on the fly here. Yeah. Uh, I don't know if you're going to see any of this that I'm doing now. This inside baseball stuff. Not show artwork, which uh, photo assets. That's what I want. 
Okay, let's uh, shrink that down. Let's wow. bring him here. <laughs> Can I put his name in as well? <laughs> Cringe. Um, hang on. Uh, text Ben. Text. Uh, what uh, what were we on part two? Mm. Yeah, I don't know where. Uh, oh look, Amish Ben's coming, coming in. He's here now. Look, he's finished his concert. He's had his meal. Is his nice meal out with his wife. Oh, there he is. Oh, all right, hey. all right, cringe. We got cringe. <laughs> look at him smiling. Now it looks uh-huh. better as you know part of a a threesome. We could start like a boy band. Phil Cringe Matt. Matt Cringe's Phil. Phil Cringe's Matt. I think. Mm. Well. The three degree degrees of cringe. This, uh, this podcast has um, descended into chaos. It's got into low brow mode now, hasn't it? <coughs> Would you not concur? I concur. Right, well, let's do one one more story while uh, while we've got cringe here. Okay. Do you remember uh, several months ago um, the the story, the cautionary tale of Stephanie Matto? You'll have to remind me. Okay. I made $45,000 in one week selling my jars of farts. And ever since my last TikTok went viral, I've been getting a lot of questions such as, how long do the farts last? Did I really fart 97 times in two days? Who buys my farts and why? And what are some of my tips and tricks? Woman hospitalized... (laughs) Woman hospitalized for selling farts, selling jars of farts, turns to new trade of selling piss, <laughs> boob sweat. Oh right, okay. I mean that's niche. Steph Matto, thirty-one, an ex ninety-day fiance star, claims to be able to fill ten bottles of sweat jars in just one day. No, which are then sold at around four hundred pounds a pop. You think it's impossible to fill 10 sweat jars? How big are they? How many mills? How bigger it is? <laughs> well, that should have been the first question, but how big are it? How, how many mills are the bottles? You know, it doesn't say. It says 10 bottles. Maybe they're only uh, like I mean. little, you know, samples. Ampules. Mm. What, are you, what are you feeling there, Phil? Well, I watched the video, and basically she, um, she gets undressed and just goes out in the sun and bakes all day to collect the sweat. I mean, you could be, you know, it could be, she could be saying that she's get, giving you boob sweat. But in reality, it could be like, you know, sweat from her ass, <laughs> her legs. Probably pay more for pits, that. face. I'd pay back, more for that. No. Back sweat. You'd pay more for ass sweat. Yeah, I would say so. Would, would that not be more aromatic than boob sweat? <laughs> Who knows? What are we doing? <laughs> I don't know. Building back better. That's what we're doing. What are we doing? Yeah. God, I hope Jamie doesn't listen so to the we've second gone, half. You know. We've gone from some, you know, quite highbrow. We didn't even swear in the first half. Didn't cuss or blaspheme. We, you know, we. I didn't even make a joke about Christ on a bike <laughs> towards the end. Robbie's making ten an hour. <laughs> <laughs> 
Uh, so, you know, <laughs> we have sunk. We've sunk low, haven't we? To new depths. What do we need? More pussy. Sweat. No. Calm down. Right, sorry, Mark. I imagine Cringe is quite happy with boob sweat. <laughs> I, I, uh, yeah, it's, it's not something I experience often, boob sweat. <laughs> Can we just stop? <laughs> <laughs> I was trying to, trying to lead you into something. But never mind. Our bedroom antics will be have to res- be reserved for another day. Won't <laughs> they? You yeah. know. Yeah, so you're stumbling over your words now. So. <laughs> no, I've drunk too much, haven't I? It's time. Time to big up the man then, so fuck off home into the night. Yeah. Oh, my gosh, I'm, I'm mashing the uh, the wrong buttons. Is there, uh, should we say goodbye? I think so, yes. Yeah, so have you finished all of the news? I don't know. I've done loads well. of things now for uh, TikTok, so. Oh, right. That's good. Yeah. Yeah, it follows on TikTok. So link it for that in the show notes. Yeah, now. people are lapping it up on TikTok. Yeah, literally in their hundreds, lapping up the boob sweat. It will be soon. It'll be one that'll make it. Wow, because you know that'll get clicks. And as soon as you mention boobs and sweat wow. in the first sort of three seconds, I'm in. Yeah, comment, comment, like, like, like. It's a massive hook, isn't it? Mm. Right. Well, I hope you're entertained. Are you not entertained? We'll be back next week. For another great podcast. No? I'm going to be back. I don't know about cringe. Will cringe be back? I don't know. Depends if Ben pulls his finger out. I love you. Epic dub. Right. We'll sign off then. Take care, fuckers. Yeah. See you in a week. Fresh Avalon. Join the Discord. Hope Sign didn't kill himself. Mm. Interact. Just uh, shoot the juice to me, Bruce. Hey. Peace out. Bye. Like a judgment day and terminating more like. I think it's just Lester. Come on, man. Don't you take it out of This is such a crock of feces. That's it, man. Game over, man. Game over. In the beninging. They know what they're doing, Lair.